stench, y'all won't last now. Nah, smash with the elbow, cracking the glass jar. You better not the luck. Dream crusher, coming out swinging, open you up, get your luck is up. Cover up, I ain't nothing to mess with. Hear him scream. Oh no, cause I'm blessed, kid. This is British Wrestling Spotlight on TheIndieCorner.com. I'm Benno. And I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And it's a Saturday. It's the day of the Royal Wedding. So if we feel a little bit more upbeat than usual, that's why. Um, gents, uh, we're recording a podcast rather than watching that. Uh, definitely the, the wise choice. Maybe the, if, if I get this out in time, it can be some uh, alternate content for the people who don't want to be drowned out by all that stuff. Do you know, I've watched a fair whack of it this morning with my girlfriend. I won't lie, while cooking. So I feel I feel quietly ashamed. It was, <laughs> it was it was weird. It was very very weird. Whereas I made sure my girlfriend was out of the house, so I don't have to watch any of that crap. <laughs> Same. Um... I just benefited from the scones that came uh, came with it. She left me a couple behind, so not complaining. <laughs> There you go. How have you been otherwise? It's been a little while since we recorded. We're going to, today, and this is kind of a two-part podcast, this part one, we're going to go through what we've been watching. You guys have been to quite a lot of shows, uh, and in part two, we'll be talking about Progress, uh, Super Strong Style, which you got to, too. It's been a a busy three weeks. Yeah, it has been. I mean, there's been loads of wrestling on, so it's been hard keeping up with that. It doesn't help that bloody best of the super juniors has just started so that's something to get into for the next few weeks we've got the uk championship tournament you know uh, coming up as well imminently and so it's yeah it's it never lets up does it (laughs) the wrestling (laughs) never lets up have you had time for anything else going on uh, outside of the wrestling uh work um and pretty much yeah watch eurovision song contest that feels like (laughs) And started playing Far Cry 5. <laughs> There's nothing there more go. pro wrestling than Eurovision. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. I probably, I, do you know, it was surprisingly good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> How about you, Joe? Um, uh, nothing that anyone will be interested in, I'll be honest with you. Nothing as exciting as what JP just went through, that's for sure. Well, not as exciting as your trip to Benidorm, Benno. Oh, fucking hell, mate, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're a super strong style. I was in bloody Benidorm. It was was very much like the TV show, you know, the the, the hotel that I was staying in. It had, like, a, a car park, but just for scooters. So for the, there were lots of middle-aged British people who could definitely walk of their own volition, but it's like a, I don't know, it's a culture over there of people riding around in uh, in these mobility scooters. It's up, it's like um, what's the movie? What's the Disney movie? Disney movie um, where it's the future and everyone's lost all bone density because Wally. they're all so lazy. Yeah, it's in Wally, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's basically like that, but in the sun. Oh God! <laughs> there was that one great photo of—I assume it was the stag in a dress on a bucking bronco with roar in the background. Yeah, that was good times. So. Roar in the background. <laughs> Get to see SmackDown. Uh, yeah, got to watch SmackDown as well, so that was good too. Yeah, I mean, basically, yeah, as the the nights were getting crazy, I was just watching, going to the bars that had the wrestling on in the background and watching that. 
Um, I also managed to, when I got home, I won £100 playing fantasy football as well. I am the... Uh, the I, I won the... JP, you'll be jealous of this. I won the Irish Wrestling Fans League, even though I'm not Irish. Um, so that was pretty good. Uh, I spent most of that money on fixing my car that I won in a different league. But apparently, yeah, I'm the, I'm the king of Irish wrestling now, JP. So, uh, That's it, mates. you rule it. Does that, does that mean you're going to insist on... Wrestle Rama and Scrapamania next year being in Liverpool. Hey, maybe, yeah, maybe I've got that power. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what, what do you make of the other football season being over, Joe? Uh, the Saints managed to uh, survive another year. Oh, just about, yeah. Uh, probably our most unnotable and uninterested season in about ten years. Um, so I've been spoiled really since we were in League One, which was a great couple of seasons. So um, yeah, we didn't get to an FA Cup final, and I think we would have lined the FA Cup final up today because it looks incredibly dull. Yeah, uh, two teams that I have so little interest in. It's I can't think of anyone I've got less interest in than Antonio Conte's Chelsea at the moment and the football that Mourinho's United play. Like God, I'd rather watch uh, Robbie Brooks start Robbie Brookside sixty-minute draw on an All-Star show from fifteen years ago than watch that match, and those were shit. So <laughs> you're telling me, mate, I'm an Everton fan. We've had we finished eighth, but the problem with that is we had to watch a season of Fat Sam matches. It's like yeah. it's one thing to kind of say, oh yeah, well you finished eighth, which is true, but you've got to watch a Sam Allardyce team winning. I went to that Newcastle game when we won one nil and only had one shot on target, and it's like. That just summed up the Everton season this year. It's like, okay, yeah, you win, but is it really worth it to have to sit through all that stuff? Uh, that first day of Super Strong Style, we were playing Everton at Goodison, and we were 1-0 up, and I kept refreshing <laughs> the BBC score page and was like, fuck, 94 minutes, 1-0 still, this is three points. Five minutes later, I thought, I'll just check to make sure it did finish 1-0. 1-0. 96 minutes. Yeah. Fuck, was I pissed off at Super Strong Style that day. I was having a great day. Sun was shining. <laughs> show was decent. Then that happened. It was like, oh. <laughs> Sorry, <God>. mate. Couldn't <laughs> all go right. But we set up in the end, so, you know. If it helps, I'd given up on Everton season by that point, And that, got, that goal um, cost me some points. I had a couple of Southampton uh, players on my fancy football team there as well. <laughs> so I was crying with you a little bit there. Uh, but anyway, yeah, away from the football stuff, uh, we're going to get into, uh, as I said, in this part one, we're going to talk about what we've been watching, the shows we've been to uh, since the last time we recorded. Before we start, though, we don't always go through wrestling news. We're not exactly a wrestling news podcast. We're more of a uh, discussion podcast. Uh, but it's definitely worth talking about a couple of things that have hit the news, uh, as well as uh, All In getting a sellout with uh, 10,000 people and their potential uh, CM Punk appearance. That was kind of a big story this week i wonder whether uh, progress are going to be able to follow that at wembley um we've also got uh, wwe uk and itv starting up and we've got the brit res wars of 2018 kind of hitting uh, full strides with uh going along with what we said on our last show it looks like uh, wwe uk guys aren't going to be able to work the likes of rev pro basically the companies that aren't uh, progress or or icw um i wonder whether uh, andy q well knew that when he uh, made his uh, statements about not being able to share progress guys in america uh, what have you made of it all and uh, how do you see the other uh, landscape uh, changing as we go forward i suppose the the fundamental takeaway is it's it's certainly much better for the wrestlers they i mean i'd like to assume that a lot of the wrestlers who have either been contracted to itv or um wwe are at least with their downside and i know there's an issue with 
with the contracts as well with that kind of back out clause that's been reported which doesn't kind of fill you full of it makes you a little bit worried mm. if they're gonna get cold feet again um but it's it's better for them it means the, the landscape landscape is very complex quite where some of the more indie guys like i say a david star would fit into the mix becomes interesting it's very convoluted mm. it's hard to kind of keep track of it all with where everybody is and you know various other commitments they've got to various promotions yeah i've no real interest in wwe uk at this point to be honest the shows in blackpool were kind of a novelty mm. i suppose they were quite exciting but then uh, they're just the most cynical transparent company in the world if you ask me well that i have it interested i suppose you could say um you look at the length of those contracts and the get outs in the contracts at four and eight months what does that say let's see how itv do let's see if itv get renewed for a second series of four months i mean if they do and they broadcast another series around christmas we'll, we'll do some more stuff in the uk as well with these guys we've got under contract until what i suppose it'll be december january time if it's eight months if anything mm. so yeah i just think it's a horrible <laughs> cynical move mm. by a company that are just greedy and paranoid in many many ways well, they um, want the monopoly yeah, yeah. and it's it's, it's, control like, every aspect of wrestling around the world yeah it's like that triple h quote isn't it last time when he, he was asked directly about it and he would say oh no no we, we already had all these plans for WWE uk we just sped them up when uh, we heard about itv it's like they literally don't move until itv move and as soon yeah. as these tapings are coming about that's when you started hearing rumor of people offering contracts to wwe guys and to, sorry to uk guys and it puts like you said before jp it puts the wrestlers in a difficult position because wrestlers are taking i'm sure all of the wrestlers who've taken the deals are, are made up with it um yeah. the fact that they're going to be on wwe tv um but yeah they're only three to six month deals because again wwe are just waiting to see uh, how itv turns out yeah, like, good on some of the guys. Like, you can't blame them for taking it oh, in any ways. Like, I completely get it from the wrestler's point of view. Uh, the one thing I do wonder with the whole thing, though, is do you... I suppose, like, someone like a Dave Mastiff or a Ligero, I think it's probably the, as best as they're ever going to get at this point in time. But say for uh, Travis Banks, mm. is he kind of putting a ceiling on his value by being a wwe uk guy or are any of these guys putting a ceiling on their value or are they going to be able to break out from being guys they use in the uk like pete dunn i think will eventually it seems like it's a bit of a catch-22 situation in many ways to me so they signed for wwe but they've not signed for wwe in the traditional sense mm. If you know what I mean, they're not being brought over to NXT like, say, um, a Nixon Yule is at the moment, and going through the system in that way. They're going through it in a slightly different way, which may work to their advantage as a worker, and you know, in terms of their setup and all the rest of it. But if they harbour ambitions of getting, say, into the system in the US, does this kind of is this an advantage? Is this a block? How does this work? That's one of the things that I think is. Uh, mm. It's kind of been overlooked in many ways so far. Yeah, kind of. The, the block as well is that if you're a Travis Banks or you're a Chris Brooks, who's also rumoured to be a WWE UK guy, uh, you can't work RevPro 
allegedly. So you kind of lose that element as well. Um, your bookings then become controlled. Um, although again, you know, as we said last time, the, I'm sure Travis Banks, uh, I'm sh- sorry, I'm sure uh, Trent Seven and Pete Dawn uh, don't regret, uh, Tyler Bate don't regret uh, taking those, those contracts last time. They were called Marks at the time. Uh, I remember that uh, distinctly, but they've all seen their money go up. I suppose it just depends on what WWUK is at this point. They're doing another tournament. Meltzer's uh, kind of alluded to the fact that the, there's probably a TV show coming, but we we don't even know what WWUK is at this point, do we? No, not at all. I that's think it. that's completely up in the air. One thing I've wondered with the tournament, um, I was speculating the other day, do you think that the tournament, uh, the winner of it who gets the title shot, do you think they might get the title shot at the Progress Show at Wembley, potentially, and this tournament could be a way to try and up ticket sales for Wembley um, and almost do a bit of a sales pitch for that Wembley show for Progress, the way. I'll do all in, do indie wrestling better than uh, the Young Bucks and, and Cody Rhodes yeah, do. Yeah, to some extent, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it depends on whether they do the Ilya match there, um, but it's certainly possible. Uh, I wonder whether they do the Ilya match at one of the WXW shows when they're over there. Yeah, that would make sense too. Yeah, I mean, what would you make of before we move on? Would you make of the the list of guys, uh, ITV versus WWE? We've, I, I think it's to be honest. I was looking at the ITV roster with the likes of Will Ospreay on there. Uh, they got Doug Williams, Martin Kirby. Uh, they got, uh, I mean, a few of the guys from last time have returned as well. Uh, there's something just a bit more interesting about that ITV roster to me at the moment. Um, I suppose it depends on whether the rumored WWE names come through. Do you know what I was thinking about that? The ITV roster, there's a lot more kind of in the unknown as much as anything else mm. about who, who they've got on there. Obviously, Osprey as a name is phenomenal and because of his style. He's going to really stand out because mm. obviously he is going to be. He's not going to be under. I'd like to think he's not under any constraints when he's when he's been working for ITV. And that kind of, if you're going to put that on the first show and put someone like him on there, that's going to be that's going to be fantastic. Is he around longer term? No, that's kind of uncertain on that. I like the uh, Adam Maxted, um, Shah Samuels on there as well, because if you're thinking crossover stuff, which with ITV has always been their thing, those are the kind of guys that do crossover. I mean, obviously Maxted with Love Island is a is a kind of a no-brainer to have turning up on this morning <laughs> Shah Samuels and I'm a celebrity I don't think I've watched an I'm a celebrity series since like <laughs> Darren Day and Tara Palmer Tompkins and John Fashion who were on there 15 years ago but if any man can get me watching reality TV it's Shah Samuels <laughs> in a jungle definitely uh, I'll be well up for that uh, do, do you make anything of uh, do they be uh, sniping a lot of the ITV guys from last time it's obviously again if anyone wants to pretend that they'd be on acting completely in reaction to ITV you've just got to look at the fact that they signed Dave Mastiff they signed uh, Kenny Williams they signed Zach Gibson they signed El Aguero uh, they've quite clearly purposely gone in and picked out uh, some of these ITV guys I was surprised as the names uh, came out on Friday that uh, that Ashton Smith is even in there he was a, a tag team with right Rampage Brown on, on ITV a um, couple of definitely interesting names on that side yeah I think I get it from their point of view as well. World of Sport kind of messed them around quite a lot last time, didn't yeah. it? Um, then you've 
had a few of those guys who've had the five-star experience as well. Mm. It almost feels like the likes of Gibson and Laguerre are completing a hat-trick. <laughs> they've done World of Sport, five-star, now WWE UK, so why not? You know, They've done the other two, why not do this one as well? Mm. It seems like a, an alright choice from their point of view. Um, one of the things I was going to say about WWE and UK stuff is I just don't get I'm, I'm just a cynical idiot. I don't get how people get so excited about these guys being associated with WWE at this point. Like, it's all very much in favour of what WWE want from it in many ways. Mm. Like, it was uh, when I saw people going mad over Jack Sexsmith and like Nina Samuels getting to follow No Way Jose to the ring <laughs> on Raw. Like, cool. Like, cool. Like, what what is so amazing about? Jack Sexsmith doing a dance on It's more Raw. that they're excited about it, though, oh. aren't they? But what are they against? So this, I, what I hate is this whole culture of thank you, WWE. Oh, my God, thank you for giving me a job. Mm. I hate that culture. It's, it's a horrible kind of American uh, sort of uh, mentality that slipped in here. Very much under David Cameron. I think it became much more prevalent in the UK, if anything. And Keeping your job is the new payroll. Oh yeah, it's yeah. The Xbox just, generation is it? as of I've lived my dreams and this is my dream and I've made you know that kind of validation. Like, do yeah. you think Stone Cold was doing this in 1995 when he got a trial match against Scotty Too Hotty? <laughs> like, no, no, he fucking wasn't. Like, calm the fuck down. Like, cool, it's no way, Jose. Yeah, he's shit. He's a prelim match. He'll be over in a year. Sorry, I was just thinking of Adam Rose. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, anything else on, on this uh, overall story? I mean, the fact that the go into what you're saying there, Joe, the fact that the guys as well, they're appearing on 205 Live. I always just think that defines down the guys more than anything. It's it's kind of like it shows yeah, where yeah. WWE yeah. is on the, the priority list. Um, anything more on that or any other uh, news items uh, this week that, that have uh, stood out to you? I- I'd like to say some comments about the ITV, uh, some more comments about the ITV roster. I find it absolutely... I'm- Really surprised that Kaylee Ray is was effectively allowed to, you know, having been within in the um, in the the May Young Classic, the fact that she's been allowed to go to ITV mm. and Viper again as well. Oh. And yeah, sorry, and of course Viper. Um, that there's, I think there's as many figures on that ITV roster who can connect with a casual audience than WWE than what WWE have for their UK tournament. Mm be honest with you i could see for example nathan cruz you know kind of going down a storm within that environment in terms of the look and how he how he projects himself and the types of matches that are likely to be in place it's all it seems like it's better suited to his favor um you know a decent hand like good hand like martin kirby being in there the fact you got like a rampage brown i mean doug williams as well I mean, you can kind of, you know, you can have some good stuff going on there. So I'm intrigued. It's whether or not ITV go down, are they going to go down a sports entertainment route? Mm. Are they going to be focusing much more on the wrestling? We're not really going to know this until, what is it, going to be the end of July? I think for me, it's the style of wrestling that both WWE UK and um, 
world of sport are going to employ as well. Like, I'm not so interested in seeing WWE agents lay out matches of UK guys. Mm. I quite yeah. like the way that the UK guys kind of lay out their matches in the UK. Yeah. Um, I don't need to see, like, I don't know, I don't know who's going to agent it, but Road Dog, for example. <laughs> how, often, how often is a Road Dog agented match or anything that Road Dog books any good? Because he's certainly fucked up one of the most talented rosters of the last 20 years mm. with that SmackDown roster through the last while or how much is uh, Dean Malenko going to advantage a match between say I don't know Travis Banks and Tyler Bate for example it just yeah, yeah it's not something that I'm interested yeah. in really at this point in time there's so much good wrestling that exists yeah. that at this point in time I have no time for WWE um it's not providing what I want to see yeah. wrestling and it doesn't really interest me anymore my interest in WWE is the lowest I'd say it's ever been and the ticket prices for this UK tournament as well is one of the reasons I'm not going was it cheapest tickets were £53 well WWE business is doing have you, have you not heard this argument WWE business the stock is so far up at the moment because of the TV rights yeah. they're doing everything right all this criticism about Roman yeah. Reigns and about the, the way they book their TV it's all out the yeah. window because they've got a good stock price um, and it, it doesn't seem to matter what they do because their TV ratings are steady enough that they get offered billions of, of dollars to, uh, to continue you on the the path that they're on that alienates the uh, the likes of us um the kind of the three hour rules <laughs> oh get ready for it to be four and for smackdown to be three yeah. i'm sure that's uh, oh, that's coming God. Uh, but it does kind of go to the question like who are the in this in this crazy um landscape this year in 2018 is the who are the good guys or will itv kind of teaming up with with presumably New Japan to get Will Ospreay in um, and then you've got the WWE side with, with Progress uh, and ICW it'll just be really interesting to see uh, the effect that it that it kind of has um, on the UK landscape and on the the indie wrestling landscape as, as we go forward um, just on the on the WWE point as well I was I was when either you attempted to go see any of their house shows this week I was kind of I was, no. I was a little bit mad at myself because they had Daniel Bryan versus The Miz in Liverpool and I was gonna go <laughs> and then I saw the prices and I was like nah and I saw people talk about it as like the best house show match they've ever seen so I was a little bit sad there but wow. I kind of hope personally I want Daniel Bryan to he hasn't renewed his contract I'd love for him to come out on the indies at the end of the year and we see oh. you know a, a bit of a shift of, of power as we've been seeing these last couple of years oh, where mate. indie shows can do the, big the fact that he's back in that company mm. and I'm still not watching that company says everything you need to know mm. from like my perspective <laughs> about that like big Cass come the fuck on <laughs> please like someone present an argument that that's a good feud for Brian's well like he seems to have cooled off so much since he's been back yeah there's nothing I want to see more out of this year than him turning up back on the indies oh. or something point and like kind of setting the wrestling world on fire once again and you know all in going from strength to strength and him being able yeah. to give the indies even more of an injection of uh you know presence and star power nothing i want more in wwe at this moment in time i suppose you know you might get a slow burn rise of daniel bryan back to the top or whatever to regain the title of wrestlemania after a year i can dream you never know <laughs> might be in the plans you never know i'm not writing it off but 
Them. Doubtful. Yeah. Um, but at this point in time, the fact that I don't want, I'm not watching SmackDown to watch Daniel Bryan says everything <laughs> you need to know about that company and about how good wrestling is outside of that company at the moment. How much is happening? Yeah, definitely, definitely. We're, we're spoiled for choice on the outside. So, well, we'll we'll keep an eye on it. I think Yap is. Uh, I, I'd much rather. Uh, I, I just hope that none of this kind of affects the the strength of the scene and that yeah we get. You know, if a Daniel Bryan came out and injected something, I think that'd be good. And if if yeah. If, if companies like RevPro continue to be independent um, from uh, this whole WWE business or ITV business, I think that's uh, for the better as well. Um, what did you make of the argument that this is beneficial and this is going to increase houses across the board and all the rest of it? I think it is. I think that's happened. I think the amount of people that you talk to and who I've argued with on Twitter who got into uh, British wrestling because of the last WWE UK tournament. Mm-hmm. Lots of progress fans that you speak to kind of that was their first look at some of our guys so i think it it definitely helps from an exposure point of view if itv is on every saturday night and they do get a million odd people watching it you, you know if you've got grado at your local house show you'd expect um draws will go up wrestlers will be paid more and we'll, we'll get more people so i think there's certainly positives there yeah, because Andy Quilden was worrying about getting left behind on his podcast this week, mm. and I was just thinking to myself, I can't see it happening. I think there's such a niche and such a base of fans that are interested in that type of wrestling, and uh, yeah. are disillusioned um, lapsed WWE fans at this point in time, mm. that I can't see like us as fans migrating to a WWE UK or a World of Sport product, mm. if you know what I mean. Mm, That's always been one of the the bugbears that we've all three of us have had over various points is that we kind of get we end up following indie wrestling because we're disillusioned with the WWE product and don't feel happy about them trying to create this monopoly worldwide because historically all they've done is kill anything else that belongs by belongs to anyone else Mm -hmm. that's that's kind of what they've done if it doesn't fit into their vision or they haven't created it themselves Definitely. Um, yeah, I, I just think that re- as long as Rev Pro offers the high quality wrestling that it does in terms of the actual wrestling that goes on in the ring, rather than what will end up being television matches that are greatly reduced and t- toned down on the UK tournament or and on the ITV tournament, I think Rev Pro has its place. It's interesting though because when you look at the independent landscape in this country, you kind of say the big companies obviously are Progress, Rev Pro, Fight Club Pro, and Attack in terms of companies that get that real indie buzz mm. and you've kind of got I suppose Riptide Bubble Underneath PCW yeah Tidal as well you could argue Is that, have I forgotten anyone I'm trying to think that is loads. but at the same time of the big kind of Three, four. Rev Pro are the only one that don't really have any connection to WWE. So you think Progress, we all know what's going on there. Fight Club Pro, one of the owners, there's a WWE contract. An attack, Pete Dunn, Mark Andrews. I know Chris Brooks is running it at the moment, isn't he? And if he's rumoured to have a WWE contract, those three companies where you get a lot of the buzzworthy indie talent in this country mm. all have a WWE connection based on who runs and owns the company because Rev Pro really doesn't so they are kind of that independent that's kind of unto itself at the moment yeah. if anything and I think with the New Japan stuff they're onto a good, good thing there there is always going to be a market for that um, yeah. I don't know how big that market is I think I don't think those um, ice rink shows have sold out yet have they which is maybe not concerning but it maybe says that there's a ceiling for the New 
in Japan alternate stuff. Mm. But there is still a market there for it. So I do think they will be absolutely fine yeah. if they carry on booking the same guys. Well, that's the thing. And you've got like, OTV, OTT on the Irish side kind of straddling the middle. Yeah. They use UK, WDB UK guys like RevPro have, although they may not be able to in future. And they've benefited from the New Japan relationship too. Yeah, WXW mm. don't. Seem, seem to have that link and the, there's and that progress relationship yeah that one seems a little yeah. bit weird especially with the walter rumors um i don't know but yeah i saw um brit resaway days ben did like a he tried to do a diagram of the way the political landscape is in british wrestling and there's just so many offshoots and little relationships and and things about who can work where and who can appear and whose vod services uh yeah i certainly don't see it getting uh, any simpler this year uh, while we're talking about RevPro, then we might as well move on to, to our main segment on this part of the show, what we've been watching. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the shows that you guys have uh, been to, and it's been a, a busy couple of weeks. Uh, you both managed to get to mm-hmm. RevPro's uh, Epic Encounter, so I think we should probably talk uh, about that first. Uh, Epic Encounter was uh, mainly famous for the Keith Lee and uh, Tomohiro Ishii rematch. Uh, how was it as a, as a live show, and uh, did that match live up to the uh, to the first one? As a as a live show, and this is probably tying into a little little bit with Eve. I mean, the security again, Jesus Christ! Um, it's all we weren't even like we were all being told to sit down through it. I think there was a point we were sort of stood up. We were at the back of where the chairs were, and we were stood up and we were told to sit down several it, times. Several sit times. Sit down, lads. Sit down. Why? Like we're going to stand up again? Sit yeah. down. <laughs> just... it, it, it's 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 insane and like and eventually what ends up happening is by the time of the second half they kind of g- give up on it and just let it go because there's a load of people stood at the back as well so there's always that vibe i get now when i go into the york hall where i just think oh christ here we go yeah this you is... get uh, every sort of four or five sh- one out of every four or five shows the security decide to be really over the top and really strict when it comes to a seating policy and it, they're on to a, a loss every time and they're going to win with it and they decide to be completely over the top and completely black and white and tell everybody to sit down constantly and yeah, yeah it's it's bloody annoying and obviously the stuff that happened at Eve at Wrestle Queendom didn't necessarily help with that anyway but going on to the wrestling um, as an overall thought and we had pretty much the same thought coming out of it was there was just this real lack of variety it was all very it was all good mm. it, it was, was a solid bad. show it was absolutely solid but there was a sense where particularly in the first half they felt like there were three kind of similar matches in terms of how long they went and the way they were structured and how they started off quite slowly um and it was really when it hit the tag match that it that that was great and kind of lifted the entire crowd yeah, going into, yeah. the, into the, the interval not a, i mean a show that's well worth watching by any means but still, at the same time, it could have done with a bit of variety. Mm. A kind of comedy match, even. Yeah, it's like Brooks Strickland as the opener was quite slow in places. I thought they would have done... I think this match would have been better if it was eight minutes and it was just a bit more of a sprint, if anything. Um, I don't know. Adam Brooks is someone that I'm really conflicted on. At times I see him and I think, okay, this guy's got something. He's good fun. And then other times I see him and I think, God, he's boring. Uh, and maybe wrestles too strictly within a kind of heel character when at times 
Yeah, it would be nice if he was wrestling at a little bit of a faster pace because I think that style actually suits and makes him stand out a little bit more. Mm. So sometimes it feels like he's trying to get a character over mm. that he's not amazing with when his wrestling might be the thing that would make him stand out. So I sometimes wonder if that's the way he's being booked or it's the way he's chosen to wrestle. I'm not sure, but... I don't know. Yeah. I find he's someone who I really blow hot and cold on all the time. I think I kind of share you. I mean, I, I think I'm more into the heel act than you are, but I was, I mean, I didn't manage to make it in the end, unfortunately, because I couldn't get, uh, just couldn't get out of work in time. But PCW had a show last night in, in Preston and he was on there. Um, Brooksy, he was supposed to be wrestling M-Dog. Um, I've not really seen many reports on how that match came off and, my first reaction was, oh, I want to see that M-Dog against another flyer. And that thought did creep into my mind. I was like, yeah, but he, he, Adam Brooks is probably going to be doing a lot of that character work. Uh, it's probably not going to be the, the five-star match that I'm that I'm imagining in my head. Because, um, yeah, I've not really seen him get to that, that second gear. I've seen him have very good matches, just not great matches. That's it. And I think almost if you're trying to make your name in the scene, it's, it's probably the best idea to go out there and try and almost go big away to yeah, kind of get a little yeah. bit of buzz and then you can put the character work into it and, and work those different types of matches mm. and he needs to do I mean I'm I'm I can see there's something there mm. definitely and as with so many because he is really young um as with so many wrestlers in this country um they're young give them time see how it works we've seen with El Fantasmo mm. in particular like that kind of extended period he's had over here has been really great how, to see how was that Osprey match live I have it was good it was yeah. good it wasn't blow away um, it wasn't like an absolutely vintage Will Osprey York Hall match by any means but it was a good solid match I thought in many places it was paced quite well um, it was a little bit different to what I was expecting at different points there were some real standout spots in there as well there was one where Phantasma Fantas- ended up sort of diving onto the turnbuckle outside and holding onto that and then diving off, which was something I hadn't seen before and I wasn't yeah. expecting to see. Um, I'd like to see another match between them. I think they've got better in them. Um, again, it's another one where maybe maybe it's my concentration on a Friday night after a long week. I don't know. But I'd like to see it be a little bit more fast-paced again. Um, I just thought at times there were quite a few matches where there was a kind of slow burn build process at the beginning and like I said that variety in the layout of matches would have been quite nice on this show if anything but it was a good match I think Phantasmo has massively improved this year Um, from when we first saw him I thought hey he looks fine but him wrestling regularly over here for a good year or so has been really to his advantage you can see that here and in his recent performances Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, anything else uh, stand up stand out for you then, as far as the the show goes? Uh, we haven't really talked about the the Keith Lee oh. uh, EC match. Yeah, um, I thought per- I th- it was it was very good. I don't think it was as good as the last match. Um, I mean, it built up to a fantastic climax. Mm. I thought it was it kind of was hurt to a degree, knowing there wasn't really any doubt in the outcome. Yeah, it was another one that, I don't know, it just didn't fully connect with me on the night. Mm. I don't know what, maybe it was my mood, I don't know. Um, I loved the first match. first match was amazing. And again, this one I thought it went too long and I thought they did slightly too much. Um, they were trying to do something slightly different to the first one. I got that. It was wrestled at a slower pace, more of a slow burn to it once again. But 
Uh, yeah, there were moments where I found myself zoning out a little bit, which I didn't expect from it. Um, so while I enjoyed it, and again, thought it was a great match, and there was some really good stuff in there, mm. it didn't live up to uh, the first match, if you ask me. It did feel like they, I mean, that was my impression watching the VOD. It felt like they lost the crowd a little bit. Um, I don't know whether it went too long or there were one too many strike exchanges but the crowd just didn't seem as wither as the, as, as the first time out so maybe that is the, the the missing factor there because it was still a fun match it was still you know Ishii doing all of his selling and, and Keith Lee hitting all of his big moves but it did feel like there was maybe just something that made it a notch below the first one yeah we had a lot of long matches on this show as well and like we've sort of said i think um bit of differentiation in the match length and the pacing and layout of different matches would have been uh, i would have worked to the advantage of this card the the most over match they got the most reaction on the night i thought and was the best match of the night was the easy open against chosen bros match mm. and that was because it was kind of full pelt um very spotty in places lots of big double team moves multi-man moves or the rest of it Chosen Bros look bloody great, but Aussie Open, I think, have looked like the best tag team in the UK this year, yep. like quite easily. Um, and I think that they've they've really benefited from a big win here, big performance against Riddle and Keithley, uh, Riddle and Keithley, Riddle and Jeff Cobb. Um, so I thought that match stood out more than anything because it seemed like the style the crowd like sort of wanted to see more than any other style on the night as well. Um, I wonder whether they're going to uh, put Aussie Open up against Zach and. Uh, Suzuki going forward well do you know what that's really not a bad chat because I was thinking obviously while you were talking about that match it's like actually where do Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher fit in this new kind of political environment mm. well they're not signs for anyone are exactly they? and if you're a rev pro you're thinking this is actually a solid base to basically tag team division around so not only they're very good they're fresh the matchups are fresh as well and in this case absolutely you know the Aussie Open won in, the, in a shock um, with the roll-up. It was a roll-up Carl Fletcher on Jeff Cobb. And the place was like, it was, a, it was a real genuine sense of shock. Hadn't kind of expected it. But it was great. And they'd thoroughly earned it. Uh, um, they're great. I mean, they'd be, for me, if you're going to do them against Zach and Suzuki, like you said, I'd be... Suzuki would kill that. Kyle Fletcher. That would kill be him. terrifying. <laughs> he could really hurt him. I mean, Mark Davis and... And Suzuki, I'm, I'm going yeah, for that. Yeah. One other thing I really liked in the show as well was uh, Shea Persa making his debut. Uh, yeah, as I wanted to talk David about that. Star's first official. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, speaking of slender men, both him, uh, but also Curtis Chapman kind of fits into that. Uh, what do you, as people who go to the the cockpit shows and go to a lot of live Rev Pro, what do you make of the uh, the crowd reaction towards uh, Curtis Chapman against David Star? It's weird because the cockpit and York Hall don't necessarily join up consistently in terms of crowd reactions mm. um, I've said it before on here but a lot of stuff that they do, a lot of the really good work they do with the cockpit mm. often doesn't translate onto the York Hall shows which kind of says a lot about how many people are watching Rev Pro on VOD outside of going to the odd show um, at York Hall if anything um, and Chapman 
at the cockpit hasn't really been getting a negative reaction at all. He got over at the cockpit. Ian is rep and rev pro at the cockpit. Um, he had some really fun matches in the last year or so there. But at York Hall, he won the belt in a surprise when I don't think anyone really knew who he was. Mm. Um, and everyone knows who David Starr is. David Starr is obviously a more accomplished performer than Curtis Chapman. People can see that. So therefore they've kind of gone with who the better wrestler is here and who the more like I say accomplished wrestler is here and I've been given you know Chapman is due if anything I kind of get it I understand why people would do that um, but I do love the the Shea person odd I think Yes, he, he rest, re, uh, refereed it down the line. Then on Sunday, the cockpit show, David Starr wrestled Chuck Mambo. Um, Purser again refereed it straight down the line. <laughs> but there were li- there were little hints throughout the match of something going on. So like David Starr would say a turn pa- turnbuckle pad was loose, and Shea Purser would go and sort the turnbuckle buckle pad out. While David Starr would heel on Chuck Mambo if anything. So you know that it's going somewhere so it was a long-term sort of uh, slow burn storyline good idea i think fair enough um while we're talking rev pro maybe we should talk the uh, the mm. cockpit show from the weekend uh, joe you got to so that live a show again the, these cockpit shows don't seem to get a huge amount of traction online no results on cage match again someone needs to put that right um most of the feedback I got from the show was from following your Twitter along, um, and mainly uh, about the the controversy of uh, Travis Banks uh, losing uh, quite quickly to Rob Lias. Uh, how was the uh, yeah. the cockpit show last weekend? Oh, good fun! I I actually enjoyed it more than the York Hall show. <laughs> uh, the York Hall show was obviously the kind of premiere event, but the cockpit shows are so easy to watch. There's so much variety up and down the card. Um, Everyone's got great views. Yeah, yeah, the views are incredible. You're that close to the action. It's it's possibly my favourite venue to watch wrestling in. Um, and like I say, there were some really fun matches up and down the card. Um, Travis Banks losing to Rob Lies was a bit of a shock. He came out and said he was injured at the beginning. Rob Lies came out and beat him very quickly while Travis Banks wrestled in his street clothes. Um, <laughs> I wonder whether what's come to light later on in the week is part partly the reason for this. I don't know. I'm just speculating there, obviously. Um, Fred Yehi had a good match with Chris Brooks. Now, Yehi is someone who I've never really seen in the... I don't think he's been to the UK before. I think this is his first tour. And I've got to say quite impressed with him his offense is awesome like he's really quite inventive quite creative with some of his offense the match with chris brooks when fred yi was on offense i was massively into it and i said next to my brother and was saying the same thing as soon as chris brooks went on offense we were both bored and kind of zoning out of the match um i don't know if that said a lot about brooks as a single and the kind of interest level that I have an him at this point in time as a single. I don't know. Or maybe his confidence as a single. Um, but Yeehaw, I was quite a fan of. He went over on Bodum and on Brooks. The standout match of the entire show uh, was Bodum against Dan McGee in a rematch from their February match. Now, this match was set up on the York Hall show after Bodum lost to Yeehaw in controversial circumstances when he took his anger out on the Rev Pro contenders, particularly McGee and we had the match here where they just beat the shit out of each other and you know what, it was a messy, all over the building brawl and it was great fun. Dan McGee's wild man hair uh, helped Mm. with it Bodum just absolutely laying it in was great fun as well 
this is a feud that I'm sure that people aren't that aware of. But honestly, I can't think of a feud I've enjoyed more in British wrestling recently than this one. They had a, a freeway that I spoke about in the, the Southampton show, which Kip Sabian was in as well. And McGee and Bodum kind of advanced that feud there as well. McGee picked up another surprise winner as well, which made Bodum go mad after the match. Got his heat back after the match because uh, the ring announcer was in the ring, mm. announcer of the next match, and Bowden McGee appeared again, beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was great, and they're doing the rematch in Portsmouth, by well, the third match, which I'm going to be at as well. So honestly, I recommend anyone to seek out the Dan McGee Josh Bowden matches from February and from April. Um, one thing that I do think helps this feud out is the fact that Josh Bowden is such a dick. Yeah. <laughs> um, and his character is so dickish. He's the best dick in British wrestling. There's no sense of, like, irony. There's no sense of, like, I'm a nice guy behind it all, really, to the, his dickishness. He is that character through and through. And he's committed to being that character. And it has worked for this feud. And it's worked to get me interested. Do you think it'll uh, hurt him or help him if, if Zach Gibson can't work Rogue Pro anymore and they take that, that tag team apart? Um, is it better for him to, to continue on in this role than just do exclusive? the single stuff um well i think that he's a great singles wrestler and regular fans of rev pro are into bodum mm-hmm. so i'm fine with it i think most people who attend cockpit shows would be fine of it there's a there's a good title run in him at some point i'm absolutely sure of it um i've said this all along i don't know if it'll ever happen but i'd love to see because you know he's not going anywhere mm-hmm. for one he's a great wrestler uh, he's really got yeah. something. He can have great matches of a whole range of opponents. Um, oh, yeah. I, 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 Joe, I just want to see him in Ishii now. You put that idea in my head, and that's that's all I want now as a Rev Pro to book that match. Oh, it's happened before. Has it? Yeah, yeah. About two years ago, oh, right. it happened. Yeah, yeah. It was when Bodum was a little less experienced, and he tried to kind of match Ishii. Oh, yeah. Strike, strike, and go fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose you could do that again in uh, in 2018, and with uh, with the improvements of him there, and, and make it work there again. That could make a good title match. Oh man, I'd love to see it. I'd absolutely love to see it. <laughs> um, okay, well, while we're, we've talked to uh, Rev Pro there, uh, another show that uh, you were planning on going to, JP, the uh, Eve Wrestle yes. Queendom show. Uh, you ended up uh, watching it on VOD. Did you not uh, fancy the yes. trip down to, to your call? It, I, I'm a kid, mm. so I would have had to bring them down by the time that would have ended. Why you take them? <laughs> uh, they didn't want to go. Oh, they'd have loved it. They wouldn't have. <laughs> one of them in particular would have been incredibly sloppy about it. The other one would have been all right. So um, I I kind of forgot it was on fight. And again, sorry, regular listeners will realise our, our feelings about fight bucks. They've come, they're coming handy. So managed to get it on, on fight. Had it on the projector while I had uh, Hey Bellew on the, on the laptop. So I was keeping an eye on everything. Um <laughs> And I went in, and I think this was a show where it almost depended on your expectations going in. So I think you two would have a different opinion from, say, me and, and our friend mine, who you do, do post with, mm. um, where we really liked, loved this watching it live. And then it was a case of there was a lot of hype when you guys watched it. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, obviously there was some. I mean, the, the Kaylee Ray Miko Satamora match, I, I really enjoyed. Um, particularly, like, I mean, having what, uh, the second half of it, 
was was fan was fantastic. Um, Charlie Morgan felt like Charlie Morgan here. Mm. She really did. Um, and Sammy Jane is tremendous, absolutely tremendous. And f- to the point where if ITV kicks on and they're going to look to have a, a, a women's division, Sammy Jane would be someone you you would want to get in there. Yeah, she is awesome. I think she, for me, Kaylee Ray and Viper are the best two women in the UK. Yeah. Sammy Jane's right up there with them. Um, I've only seen her a few times. When I've seen her, I've always been really impressed. Um, she's incredibly well-rounded. Everything she does looks convincing. Mm-hmm. Um, even when she's selling, it's completely convincing. I'm sold that she's kind of hurt and is fighting for pain at various points. She's got very good character. Um Everything about her act is awesome, if you ask me. Um, I, she's someone I'd love to see getting booked more regularly and more prominent promotions, if anything. Yeah, I think she was a big part of why the main event had such a, a big-time feel. Obviously, you got the, the elements of, yeah. of Crown and Charlie Morgan as well, but it, it felt like yeah. a like a real main event, didn't it? Um, as well as the fact that the two of them went out there and absolutely killed themselves with some, some crazy bumps, uh, one of which might cause problems, as we've already mentioned, for uh, other promotions running your hall. Well, I, I get why people would be pissed off at that because uh, you think of all the good work Rev Pro have done to get, get wrestling to that position in York Hall and to make the people who run York Hall realise that ah, wrestling's alright mm. and then Eve's first time in there they go and break a couple of rules straight away. That would piss me off as well. Um, you kind of undo a bit of goodwill there. I really hope Rev Pro have made sure that Eve aren't Rev Pro and they are two completely different entities or running a completely different way. The irresponsibility of Eve doing that, I think, is pretty shocking, to be honest do, with you. Do you um, think they knew this is uh, Charlie Morgan doing the dive off uh, the top of your call, the top of like the balcony area, isn't it? Do you think the promotion, they tried to make out on commentary, Dan Reed, who was up and down all night, was trying to make out that it was that he was trying to stop her uh, from doing it. They must have known it was coming. Uh, I can't, I'd be very surprised if they didn't. Oh, of course they did. Look at where the ladder was set True. up. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she said to them, oh no, I'm like, just going to dive off the ladder, that's all. Oh, oh, the ladder that's coincidentally right below the balcony. Yeah, uh, I get your point there. I'm still not convinced that Charlie Morgan's that good. I'll be honest with you. There are certain things that she did in this match where I was like, some of her selling at times is so inconsistent. And there were moments where she was meant to be selling something quite big, like that armbar spot, mm. and her facial expression would suddenly change, and it would take me out of the moment completely. Like, for me, there's just something missing with her act. I don't know what it is, but I just can't connect with her or see what... Seasoning. Yeah, obviously that's going to help. But when I'm being told that she's this amazing wrestler yeah. who I haven't seen, like, the best of, and then uh, this was a good match, don't get me wrong, I really enjoyed mm. it. But I thought Sammy Jane was by far the superior talent in the match and was what made it a great match, if anything. Um, I was going to say as well, when it came to the show, either a company who I've been quite vocal about uh, when it comes to what I, how I feel about them. Um, I did consider going to this show because I was in London for the Progress show. For a brief moment, I did regret not going when I saw it getting all the hype. I then watched it and thought, no, I'm glad that I went and saw two mates of mine who I've not seen in a while and had a, had a good night out. Um, I spent my time well because I thought this show was notable um and definitely it's kind of a landmark show but completely overrated um i I really like the main event 
the Mika Satamura Mora Kaylee Ray match, I just I just didn't get. Like I was like, this is all right. Like it was fine. Arja Kong and Viper. Arja Kong can't walk. It was like watching that one all right Nakanishi match that comes out of nowhere once a year or once every two years. Um, the ladder match was a mess and it was full of really average talent. And the War Games was also oh that War Games mess. mate. <laughs> it was just like that was the one I, I watched it you know a bit later than you guys. I didn't get round to it until this week. I was thinking it was just a, a just a mess. There was like there was a point wasn't there where the the countdown clock was going um, after everybody was already in the match and Dan Reed had to jump off commentary and shout at someone in the back to get them to turn it off. They tried to do the the, yeah. the coin flip in the middle. They had the surreal scene where the referee got into the cage when the first two women were in there and had been fighting for the last five minutes or whatever it was and then tried to do the coin flip so they had to stop fighting and do the coin flip it was just like that match kind Ah. of summed up didn't it the uh some of the production and uh, and technical issues they had throughout the night yeah and i get it's a show on a different scale to what they're usually running so i get there are going to be hiccups it's completely understandable i just think as a promotion there's an arrogance about them i hate the whole political rally at the beginning i think it's actually quite patronizing in many ways and isn't as progressive as they like to think it is and it can actually i can actually alienate people in a sense and isn't as liberal as they like to think it is um and I'll be honest, I think as a promotion, I think this is their peak. I can't see them going. I can't see where they go from here, really. I can't. I can see them doing another Wrestle Queendom and drawing a similar house at York Hall, but I think they've met their ceiling, if anything. But there's one point that I really wanted to make about the, I think the Jetta and Chris Wolf match. Mm. Now the referee in this match, right? This Erin Angel, right? What is she a regular referee in Eve? Uh, she's uh, she is part of a storyline that she is a wrestler who is refereeing and is now being worked into the storyline. I say I've not been up on Eve really. So does she referee on the reg? No. Oh, okay. Okay. Because I thought she was, and then my thought to myself was, well, she stands out more than both of the wrestlers that I'm watching wrestle in the ring, and my eyes are on her more so than they are the two wrestlers, and she's averted my attention. Maybe that makes me sound like a disgusting male strike me down right now. But at the same time, the re- the referee, for my money, should never stand out more than the wrestlers. The referee should just be a presence and a body that's in a ring doing a job as a referee. Yeah. Whereas she's there with like loud hair, loud gear on, and it was like, eh, what's going I on think- here? I, I, I mean, know. if she's like a you know full time referee, I think yeah, point taken. But if it's you know a story they're trying to tell, then that's yeah, uh, purposeful, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't, I had no idea. About it. Sorry. <laughs> well, they made it look a bit stupid as well, didn't they? Having that she put both of the women into the ladder match. Um, on it. And that was one where, because I was watching it removed, I saw the results and I was like, yeah, I'm skipping that one. Uh, an entirely pointless 10 minutes Jetta Chris Wolf match because they both go straight into the ladder match after it. Uh, what did you make of that, that ladder match? Uh, I think it was a bit stronger than the cage. At least they, they knew the rules, unlike the, uh, the War Games match where it didn't feel like anyone in the ring quite gathered what the rules were. It is. I think it was the, it was Leah Owens, wasn't it, who was, who was injured in the match? Mm coming off with the, uh, with the with the leg drop and that and that was the thing that kind of took it out and there was a lot of stuff said at the time about that there wasn't um, uh, a medical team there yeah that's I a think big there was, they, they, they were backstage really because I've not heard that I'd heard that's, so, 
the the opposite. I heard people saying that the owners were sorry that the bit the people who, who run the building were chasing around trying to find out who was in charge of the show. Um, that's, that's, not being now, I, I couldn't say for certain. I've certainly seen Dan Reed's men talk about this mm. and, and mention the fact that they wouldn't have been allowed to to run the show if they couldn't prove they had medical people there at the time. Fair enough. But but it was strange because the referee obviously had to bring him. Bring it to the back yeah, as that's well. not a good look, is it? Uh, I mean, I've got like the medical staff thing. I've got, I mean, a good friend of mine, Dirk Feelgood, who's you can probably tell from the name he was a wrestler, but he's also a GP um, in his shoot job. He did a whole Twitter thread about the complexities of getting medical staff to events, and you can get St John's ambulance who are cheap and they're cheap for a reason, but to get real medical trained staff for for a sporting event, you're talking costs into the thousands. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's it was just the case that maybe they had some St John's ambulance staff wandering around somewhere, um, and maybe that's where the the confusion lies. Yeah, yeah, possibly. I mean, again, I mean, giving an overall thought, and I'm I'm probably I'm much more more positive about about the show than yourselves. Mm. Get, get your points yeah, across. No, 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 I feel, like feel like you've not got this across. I feel like I've just bitched on it. No, no, I suppose, again, it comes into the idea that I hadn't, I'd kind of almost forgotten it was on. I was thinking about going to a super strong style the next day. Hmm. And I just sort of put it on, sat back down, had a beer, watched this. And it was kind of, I go into watching what would be show companies running like this first big shows with a sense of this is going to go wrong just always getting this very negative feeling about it god i'm sounding like one of those bloody people mentioning negative and positive again um but i it was it was kind of pleasant for me and i sat and, and there was the sense of it starting late was fine for me i didn't care i had loads of stuff i was doing around the house i know this all sounds like nothing to do with wrestling at all but i was in a mindset where i was kind of happy for it, the show to kind of wash over me which it did and it had its kind of couple of big moments mm. i think again there needs to be like more structure when you're running a show like this that's not something that they do at all. Yeah, it feels like there's a lot of sloppiness, and that goes from the production through to the wrestling. Like the ladder match, I just thought was full of slop. Like Millie McKenzie, I thought looked really good, and all of her stuff looked really tight, and her strikes looked awesome. Oh yeah. But then so much, so many other uh, wrestlers in there, I just thought they just didn't look very good. <laughs> well, I mean, let's go to. I mean, this is JP's positivity moment. So, I mean, <laughs> J- I mean, JP, you mentioned the word. Uh, big moments throughout the show. The fact that they got Asia Kong there felt like a a big moment. That felt yeah. really important. Um, yeah. uh, the match definitely what didn't you know it wasn't a, a classic by any means. It was a it was a walk and brawl and, and there was a lot of shortcuts. But that was cool. They got, they kind of delivered. Although I'd agree with Joe that the the structure of the show was a little bit off and it seemed messy. Even watching you know on a cleaned up version of the VOD a, a few days later. Um, they still, you know, delivered in those big moments and uh, with the big main event. I, I came out feeling positive about even thinking that, okay, they come back and do another live stream, they do another your call, they'll go in with the knowledge of, of the, this show and and, uh, and maybe clean up some of those things. I don't think they're ever going to be running your call again. I don't think as a venue that even though logistically, obviously it's across the road from where the Resistance Gallery is, 
I don't think they will. They'll probably just complain and bitch about uh, York Hall not understanding them and all the rest of it and throw a few labels at it and throw a few labels at the staff at York Hall and so be it. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, anything to, to wrap us there then uh, before we move on? Yeah, watch it. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Like It's notable. It's a noteworthy show. It'll be a show that people will remember without a doubt. They just aren't for me um, for a variety of different reasons. They're just not for me. They never will be. This was the chance I was willing to give them. I've given them a chance. I'm not going to bother again. (laughs) How about you, JP? Yeah, I'll be watching. I mean, I haven't been to any of the live shows now in in quite some time. They intrigue me because it's like Joe has actually said. I mean, they've just put on this very notable event. And... It's where they're going to be in a year's time. Is there anything about the company? It's more about are the company going to evolve? Mm. Because there is that place out there for a big time women's promo- all women's promotion. I think you're talking. I think there's a, it's a niche. I think it's a niche product. Oh, it is. But we're and I don't think there's a niche within a niche. Uh, I, I've, I'll be honest. I don't think women's wrestling is as good as men's wrestling. There you go. I said it. Um, uh, it's never going to interest me in the same way because the male workers are much stronger, much more accomplished and much better overall than the female workers. Yeah, you can argue that that's because there aren't as many places for the female workers to go and mm. wrestle because there aren't as many matches with females on cards. But I'll be honest, I think a lot of people are thinking the same way I am, but they're not saying it and they're too scared to say it because they're going to be seen as some horrible person for saying it. Um, but look at why there aren't as many women's matches booked on so many shows. I think that's probably because they're harboring the same thoughts. I'll be I like, think, I look at. I, I, I mean, you cool. can look at. I mean, I don't think it's particularly sexist to say something like that because you can look at the difference between the men's and the women's in, in say Premier League football. Um, I think everyone would say, okay, there's there's a, there's a golfing class there. I don't think that there's the same golf in women's wrestling. I'll push back a little bit on that. Um, I, I mean, no, I don't think there's the same golf, but there's definitely. I definitely don't think that. I, I think that there are maybe four or five female workers in the UK that touch the better male workers in the UK, and I think the pool of more sort of average talent between the male and the female workers. I think the males are much better than the female wrestlers, if I'm completely honest. It just, I think this is something rather like, and we brought up there with with women's football, that this is something that is going to take mm. time. Because there hasn't been, there hasn't been allowed to be this kind of depth of talent going back in the case of male wrestlers for a very, very long time. There hasn't been as nearly as much depth for women, as many places yeah, to yeah, work. Which is what I was so saying. it's always starting from this kind of point of being behind. Now, I mean, and this is all very hypothetical, but in 20 years' time, the, I can imagine the landscape will be different to a certain degree. There would have been probably a few real breakout workers in that time. But we just kind of haven't seen that happen yet. This is still at the, the relatively early days of, sort of women's wrestling becoming an attraction in the UK. We're very much talking the UK as yeah. well, because I can I can hear people shouting into the speakers about Manami Toyota oh, and yeah, yeah. Akira Hokuto and you know the history of, of women's wrestling in Japan. I think that kind of shows that there is a there's a, there's a scope for the, the scene to be as strong or a similar standard to men's wrestling. Yeah, no, I I see what you're saying, um, but at the moment it's not there, 
And to be honest, I haven't got time to watch really average wrestlers at this point in time, and there are so many great wrestlers to watch out there as well. Um, yeah, I do think watching bad stuff occasionally is very good because it reminds you of what is bad, what is good, or the rest of it. Mm. My argument with watching bad films at times as well. Um, but uh, I just don't have the interest, if I'm honest with you. And I just... Like I said, I think I think this is Eve's ceiling at the moment. I can't see them drawing any more in a year's time than what they drew here. You know, if they do, fair play to them. Um, I'd be happy for them. It's just not for me on any level, and it, I don't think it ever will be. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I did see on Andy Quilden talking about the the fact that you know the it was impressive. I don't know if it was a sideswipe or not, but he was kind of saying it's impressive to these a thousand people. I would have thought they'd do better with the uh, the publicity that you've got. Um, I do wonder, yeah, what are the factors that, that prevent that um, from them doing the, the full sellout? But hey, uh, I, I, I mean, any closing thoughts on it from the? I mean, JP, you're the the Eve, the you're the women's wrestling correspondent for uh, British Wrestling Spotlight. Any any pushback on what Joe said there, or, or would you agree that there's a uh, improvement needed? I mean, there's. I, I would say there is improvement needed. There's never any of the shows that have come out and the matches are like absolute five star you know let's drop all the snowflakes on it's not not really that's not really the yeah. case there's much more of a of a kind of a, a different environment mm. to what you would see even going to say a progress or a rev pro where there might be one women's match on the card so it, there is a there is a difference in that there's more of a sense of of the kind of characters and how they operate and, and we've already mentioned about sammy jane yeah. and charlie morgan the way katie ray exists within within that universe as well I don't think they should be doing the the kind of cluster star matches. I think if that's one thing they're going to take take away from this mm. show for for what they have. Um, but overall, I mean, I'm happy to give them a chance. I can completely get how people wouldn't be into it, and how Joe wouldn't like it. That's absolutely fine. This is at the end of the day entirely subjective, yeah. and I was we always make the comparisons ourselves, particularly off off here that this is down with certain. You know, it's the same thing with films. When there are certain films that I like, and sometimes it depends on the mood. It is. I went to watch Deadpool two on Friday morning. I was kind of up for watching something quite silly, throw away, and make me laugh. And he did all of those things. I don't think it's the greatest film ever made. I think there's loads of problems with it, but it kind of did its job in that in that environment. And that's kind of how I look at it with this. Um, but I don't think at the same time I'm not on this kind of. I'm not, you know, going to try and convert people to to watch the show try to convert me <laughs> i did try but that's kind of there's, there's a fun in the attempt of and i try i got my brother to watch it as well because i was curious as to his thoughts and him and a mate of ours who watched it with him they turned it oh. off didn't weren't enjoying it at <laughs> all they oh. were they, then, they put, then I'll never mention it again. They put Tanahashi Okada on well, instead. When that's the standard, it's hard yeah. to. <laughs> There's the upgradable upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. One th- last thing I want to say is they did put lay the card out quite smartly in terms of who they booked in singles mm. matches. So I think the best three wrestlers on the card were in the three um, most prominent singles matches, or the best three British wrestlers. So in Savvy Jane, Viper, and Kaylee Ray, I don't think there are any uh, three British female wrestlers who are better than those three working at the moment, and they were in the main three matches. Really? So uh, I wouldn't say she's at their level yet. She's good. Oh. No, not at all. But um, those three being in those prominent singles matches, I thought was the best move. Mm. Um, and sort of shows that 
Eve are very aware of who their best workers are as well. Yeah. Alright, well I think that's a, a good place to leave it as far as uh, what we've been watching. Lads, let's talk some progress. Uh, Joe, you were at day one of uh, Super Strong Style 16. Uh, but me and uh, JP couldn't make it down. I was out of the country. Uh, you were treated to some uh, prawn sandwiches, I believe, by uh, Progress with their new uh, media <laughs> initiative. Uh, what's the story there, Joe? Well, I was too full from the uh, cracking Turkish food that I had in Wood Green earlier that day to chomp down any of the prawn sandwiches, unfortunately. But I enjoyed a free bottle of water and a free Diet Coke, so can't complain. Um, yeah, some hospitality was outsourced to a PR company who invited us along, so I went along to day one. Um, and there was a media room where you could sort of take any laptops or tablets or whatever and write up any reports you wanted to write up and stuff. So, yeah, there was a, a bit of an opportunity that was there. It wasn't quite on the scale of a level of the WXW um, media uh, output. Mm. Um, over that weekend but it was certainly something and it was interesting to certainly see progress doing it um what with their attitude towards criticism and critics let's just say um so yeah it was a bit a little bit different it was to be honest quite unnotable <laughs> in mm. the grand scheme of things um yeah it was Pleasant just they did it yeah it was cool it was yeah. cool and i was quite glad to go along um but yeah you didn't feel like you had any sort of access in the way we did at wxw where sure. you could sort of interview wrestlers on the day and mm. um you were sort of in a whole group of people um and you had access to stand and sit in different areas there were media seats but i couldn't find my seat and i think a couple of the other guys with the same passes also couldn't find their seats either so um i just ended up standing for the two days i was there which was fine because i prefer standing for shows anyway oh fair enough i mean it's a, I mean, it's a good i think you know it's it's a positive uh that they're, they're open to you know to media uh, members coming at least certainly uh for a big show uh like this uh, jp you didn't make it down for for day one you were there for for day two um and i suppose this is a question for both of you i mean what did you make of ali pali this uh second time out with a uh, many improvements there in addition to the uh the media center they set up yeah there was there was. They had a smaller configuration with less seats. Mm. And the way it was set out, you could stand at the back and get, frankly, a view that wasn't entirely dissimilar to what you'd get from if you are stood up in the ballroom at the back. Mm. In, in, in essence, you're still reasonably close to it. Um, they'd also raised the ring, so you could see in the ring that little bit better and that did make a difference mm. um there was a lot more set up in the way of sort of food stalls and beer stalls and people to get something to drink much larger merch area as well that all felt vastly improved there was a lot of space for people to go and eat there was an area outside as well that was a lot more that was really that was a lot more um professional it looked looked really good yeah they made a real effort with the facilities Absolutely. Uh, credit where credit's due there was some um good food trucks some good beer trucks where you could get lots of excellent beers i gotta say spoil for choice in that regard i was on the milk stout and that was lovely yeah um yeah um so that was all good uh, i was quite impressed with that um 
you could kind of go outside and take a break in quite a nice area as well. There were also food and beer trucks. So it was a cracking day as well. Really hot that weekend. Yeah. Um, it seems like the sun does beat down for Super Strong. So I think that's three years in a row where it's been a really <laughs> hot, sunny weekend. So, yeah, yeah the stars were aligned for that evening let's just say definitely i mean i i kind of it does sound like it was a better live experience i watched this uh the whole three days on vod which can be a mammoth <laughs> undertaker at times and i do think for a 2000 seater ali pali doesn't look great on the vod it, oh it looks utter shit let's it just looks like honest. a big black hole doesn't it it sounds like shit as well there's such an echo on jim um the music with mixing was all kinds of weird on this show as well which was drowning out the commentary which isn't the worst thing in the world but i just think sound in general is a problem here and it, like i say it just doesn't look good either well let's think about uh, this way the uh, new orleans shows now these shows where sound has been an issue um, notable shows in New Orleans, WrestleMania weekend, big shows here, whole weekend, uh, in front of what, 4,000 people overall, sounds a massive issue, like, it's something they need to really work on, I don't, I don't know what's happened, it might just be bad luck, um, but the production values of a big show, mm. I think need to be sorted, I think they need to outsource um, to a professional company at this point for the, these big events, because these events do not look any different to in size really to say a manchester show or a birmingham show it just looks like a bigger flatter hall mm. like they don't feel bigger they don't feel like they're more um of a kind of occasion if anything one thing that wrestling companies often have been great at is differentiating their big shows and their small shows and making them appear bigger mm. to both the live audience who are there and also the audience watching at home and progress i think really failed to do that um i really think they should have invested in maybe a crane um to gather some different types of shots from above at points during this and from different angles and a better hard cam would have wouldn't have gone amiss either and some good sound mixing yeah i was gonna say um as an overall thought they need to be more cinematic of these big shows and when you're getting a crane in when you've got a great hard cam there were times um especially noticing it in the actual Super Strong Style 16 final, where a lot of it was the camera on the floor. Um, and for a match like that, it would have been nice to have a kind of regular hard cam shot there, that to be in, in place, because it should feel really epic with a hall with at least sort of, you know, one and a half to 2,000 people in it. That's kind of what it should be like. Yeah, I, th I think... Uh, it's one of them. It's kind. Of, it's good from the fact that I mean the electric ballroom shows sell out so quickly and people can't get to these big shows. Um, so it's good that they can get more people in the building. Um, but yeah, for all the reasons you just said, it, it's it doesn't really translate to the VOD experience. Uh, I mean, while we're on it, one thing that did translate to the VOD experience, maybe not as good as normal, but the music <clears> was back. That was a thing. Um, oh, licensed gosh. music on, on a progress show, uh, and it came through, and they, they kept it intact on the VOD. Uh, I'm not going to complain too much, but what do you think's going on here? I don't know who the who the hell knows. I'm hoping that. Um, certain people are going off to wxw for a weekend and seeing <laughs> the experience of that music again maybe certain people came up to briley and said 
music is kind of missing it kind of gives a show a great big atmosphere and makes it stand out a little bit um because it certainly made a difference here the atmosphere and the kind of feeling amongst fans when they were hearing certain songs yeah. mm. made people sort of invest and enjoy matches uh, more i thought yeah. and it certainly lifted my mood it adds so much absolutely. to the presentation doesn't it jp oh absolutely it does um jimmy havoc with afi is a vastly different proposition to Jimmy Havoc with white noise. Um, it really is. It makes such a difference, and it felt like it kind of. It was. It wasn't for every. It wasn't for every single wrestler hasn't gone back to their old themes. And some of them who've still got their their new themes that they developed. It seemed well. like the guys who um, started in the company and had a hot tag media work when they started with the company um carried on with hot tag media if anything other than chris brooks who came out to the cramps on day two and three eventually yeah that was weird wasn't it day one they kind of had yeah that music and then day yeah day two they mixed it up um just kind of strange i i don't know what to read into it really i don't know do you think it'll just be these big shows that they do it for they've not really came out and said anything right if it is if they revert back to the hot tag media stuff for the rest of the shows i'll be really pissed off because what's the point in teasing us with it on one <laughs> show and then going back to the hot yeah. tag media stuff on another show and it's basically admitting yourself to a to your fan base that yeah we know these songs are shit um <laughs> and when we can use and pay for better songs we'll do it but these songs suck so i just think be consistent with it i think mm. being inconsistent is actually probably worse it's that live atmosphere it needs it um, I remember a kind of anecdote that Joe had said before that the, one of the issues with unboxing is is people are coming out as surprises, but you don't recognise the music instantly, mm. and you need that. That and what happened here is by hearing the music, you had that immediate connection. Yeah. Immediately, you're interested, perked up, and that was fine. Um, so yeah, hopefully, long may it continue. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that wasn't the end of the the big changes either. We had the the new bigger ring with a a strange blue canvas. I believe they'll be doing another uh, Kickstarter to get the, uh, a canvas uh, put together yeah. again. Uh, I assume that at least that's the direction they'll go. WWE sized ring, weird. Uh, there is that. Uh, the commentary as well. They kind of switched uh, roles throughout the three nights, and we got different combos, but no Dahlia Black, which was a, a positive, I think, as far as the uh, the commentary went. Uh, but let's get right into the shows. Uh, we'll start with day one. We won't go through absolutely every happening, but we'll hit on uh, all the major happenings uh, and maybe run through a, a couple of the other minor things. Uh, let's start from the top. Uh, day one was full of uh, round one matches in the Super Strong Style Tournament. Uh, we opened with Pete Dunne and Doug Williams, which was an okay match. Um, I do think that the Doug Williams story they're trying to tell only works if you tell it. Um, him just losing <laughs> all of the time. Um, where did we go? I thought, you know, maybe hey, he's got gotta... a title shot. <laughs> losing, can do, losing can do a decent job for you. Get a title shot from uh, it. Apparently so, yeah. You can get yourself in an Atlas title shot. I mean, the if you, if you look at, you know, you mentioned Tanahashi and Okada in part one of this show, and again, dangerous comparison, but their match they had recently, Tanahashi was kind of the ace that do, well he thinks he's the ace in his own head but he's actually losing it and as much as he thought he was ahead in that match with okada he never really was and okada beat him easier than it than he's ever beat him Th that's a story to tell with it with an aging veteran whereas yeah doug's just 
losing all the times and you know maybe there's an argument that he shouldn't ever win any beat any progress guys but if he doesn't i wonder where the stakes are uh what did you make of this match and what do you make of that uh that doug story i thought it was a fine opener um as a sort of generation generational sort of match between you know a guy from the current generation guy who was really notable in the previous generation i thought that was kind of a cool match to make um wouldn't have been my choice of an openness necessarily mm. but i thought it was a solid match if anything mm. i think it was predictable what was going to happen here yeah. the doug williams storyline i like in theory i don't love in practice put it that way um it's maybe not connected with me in the way it should have connected i think the fact that he wasn't a progress regular before this and it feels like they brought him in for the storyline maybe doesn't help so much it's a, it's a decent storyline but it's not you know something that's going to make me go and pay money to go watch if anything mm. it, it's a storyline that feel like it needs to play out in several promotions like the kind of yeah. thing about like being if this was something that you knew that he was losing all around the country in a variety of places to a variety of people and he's getting to the point where he's thinking i, I don't i shouldn't be doing this anymore then but with the culmination obviously building up to wembley then he would have this kind of momentous momentum behind it because then you'd have all kinds of sort of disparate fans getting behind it whether or not that's the case we don't know but because like joe says he's not been this progress regular mm all of the time it it doesn't have the the kind of emotional depth and we're going to talk about obviously jimmy jimmy havoc later on yeah that does that has that kind of connection well, i'm fine with seeing this continue in, in fact i could actually see him winning the atlas spell yeah. <laughs> against the runner play against the, yeah. the that's kind of yeah like, i've just got a feeling it's going to happen it'll be like oh my god doug williams has lost every match but he's won the Atlas title, and it's just that lovely, inconsistent, ridiculous, all over the place progress booking that we've seen the last year or so, <laughs> once again. But hey, I think they think that's a great idea, possibly. Um, not so much for me, but it was a good opener. Yeah, I think that's kind of my question: is you know, watching this match, did it, did people ever really buy Doug winning? And I don't think I did uh, at any point. Um, I think I'm it was kind of fine with that when you've got a long a long tournament with lots of matches, though. Like mm. sometimes predictability is fine. I think. Well, I mean, case in point, the second match, this is, uh, I'm gonna just throw all of the analysis to JP here. <laughs> second match was Chuck Mambo and Zack Sabre Jr. and the, the counterpoint I was gonna make was, even though it seemed obvious to me that Zack Sabre was going through, it felt a little bit yeah. more that the crowd maybe bought, uh, Mambo's roll-ups in this match is kind of, is wacky style. It's surprisingly, it gelled really well with Zack Sabre Jr.'s submissions. The kind of the aggression of Zack Sabre Jr. versus the bendiness of of Mambo and the underdog really worked. Uh, as his uh, biggest critic, uh, JP, uh, what do what do you make of this one? Because all I've seen elsewhere is universal praise for uh, for Mambo's appearance here. Ah, uh, <laughs> I uh, where do I start? Um, yeah, I'm wrong. He was great. <laughs> Simple as that. Love um, it. He, he was he was really now obviously he's in there with Zack Sabre Jr. So he's in there with one of the best in the world. Mm. But Joe had told me about the match they'd had at the who did he have the match at the cockpit with David Starr with David Starr, who was obviously also really good. But I mean he's not Zack Sabre Jr. He's not certainly 2018 Zack Sabre Jr. Um, and so clearly. He's been absolutely working his ass off. And you can tell with the shape that he was in. But 
there was some, like you say, the stuff around his office was really good. He was smooth when he was um, managing to sort of leap up onto the top rope and do springboards. Um, that was impressive. What did he say about him being bendy? The submission that Zach had him in at the end. I was kind of wincing. And I knew what had happened. And I'd heard Joe had said about how good the, the match was. And I thought, all right, I'm looking forward to seeing this. <laughs> and I was into it. And I still hate the gimmick. I loathe the gimmick. I don't like the beach balls. I don't <laughs> oh, like... Uh, and the fact he's from Newquay. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you think of the Cornish? Oh, brought, you know, they want European money after voting for Brexit. <laughs> I'm, I'm not happy about that. <laughs> don't know, I don't think Chuck Mambo voted for Brexit. I, yeah, I think I, we can blame him for that. We can't blame him for that as well. <laughs> don't know. But yeah, that kind of stuff... I kind of just I'd like to see him start to go in a more serious direction if his wrestling can back it up. Yeah, I, I think and the, the fact that he's on the path that. Yeah, I, I think the fact that it, there was kind of blood here as well. The fact that he was, you know, Zack Saber was very aggressive and yes. Mambo was kind of the mouth or the nose he was bleeding from. It gave it something extra, and maybe that's why even yourself, JP, we all liked it so much. Maybe he stepped out yeah. of the wacky gimmick and and wrestled this one very seriously because. There was a lot of really good slick stuff in this. That's like Sabre Jr. wrist rock reversal out of the, the surfboard and uh, Mambo showing some of his uh, technique. I think this serious side kind of made all the difference here and made it a good matchup. Yeah, I, I don't think it's happening though, having seen the Freedom's Road trailer. I, I <laughs> oh, kind of him running through London with a surfboard. In yeah, yeah, it kind of makes you think that, you know, this is obviously how it's going to be. But maybe, I mean, it'd be something he might implement within the ring where he's kind of wacky on the outside and then he gets in there and he's a bit more kind of all business I, I yeah, would be alright with, with that I get wacky gimmicks yeah uh, but I think there's a certain element of whack which uh, uh, yeah I get annoyed with but I've got to say Mambo here I thought great mm. and I think that he's obviously worked really hard and I've heard lots of things about how hard he works and all the rest of it and he has really improved um Everything he was doing looked much cleaner and tighter than I've ever seen it look before. Mm. There are a couple of matches I remember seeing him a couple of years ago where I was genuinely scared at a couple of points. Um, I think it was a tag match with with him and Pastor William Eber against... It might have been like Daryl Allen and that Earl Black Jr., I think. And I don't know, there were a couple of things Mambo did, and I sort of thought, oh, God. But he's really kind of worked hard on reining himself in and actually thinking about what he does in the ring a little bit more and this is probably the best match of his career um i don't think zach saber jr shouldn't go that credit here either mm. i think he was amazing here once again possibly my favorite rest of this year so far um some of the stuff he was doing here and the story that was being told and how he started being a bit more of a dick to get mambo over that a little bit more was just perfect mm. there was also that reversal out of the surfboard yeah. into the ah oh, that was one of the best reversals i've ever seen and i've never seen anyone reverse out of, this, out of that surfboard before <laughs> so like that popped me in a i think that was the most i popped the entire weekend when he did that yeah um it was just so good. Like Zach was great all weekend. He got off to a great start here, and I think he came out of the weekend having the best matches up and down every card, yeah, if anything. Definitely, including this match with Chuck Mambo, which you you might never expect. Other than yeah, Mambo ended I up being. I thought it was the best match on the, the on the first day. 
Yeah, I'd agree. A, a Mambo is just the perfect foil for, foil for the bendy Zack Sabre offense. The finish, even the, that ridiculous dragon sleeper where he kind of had his arms trapped uh, by his legs. Uh, it just looked great. And yeah, I think uh, both men uh, certainly uh, delivered in this one uh, to the surprise of uh, of some of us. Um, up next then, we had uh, TK Cooper and David Starr. Um, Cooper is back in his favoured heel position, but they've made... Such a mess of his booking. He's definitely less over, isn't he? He was lost the star here, and re- it's hard to talk about this without talking about Cooper's entire weekend. But he lost yeah. in pretty convincing fashion here, and uh-huh. yeah, there was more to come throughout the weekends. Not great for TK Cooper. Um, yeah, I-, I don't know what did what did you make of this one, and what did you make of Cooper's uh, reaction to being there live, Joe? Oh, um, being there live, right? First of all. He's definitely less over, right? Mm. They've completely fucked his booking, like you said. But they also, I almost feel like they're trying to make him look like a geek, and they're mm. trying harder to make him look stupid. So first of all, in this match, he attacks David Starr, like, before, he does a sneak attack on David Starr, I think before the bell. Mm. And I was thinking to myself, oh, nice short win here to get into the next round. Maybe he's going to kind of cheat his way through, what with the new heel thing with Travis Banks. Cool way to do it. Nope. Uh, that kind of jumping him at the start didn't do anything for him during the match didn't play into the match in any way it was just a spot at the beginning of the match uh, and made him look stupid because he didn't get any advantage from it then he loses in a completely convincing fashion mm. then on the second day he comes out in a Roman Reigns vest to take Walter down that doesn't work he gets taken down doesn't get any offence in from what I remember mm. looks like an absolute geek once again and on the third day he gets killed by walter so he gets killed by the guy that probably helped him in getting over with that like kind of fight based performance and that tag match between ring camp and the super um, and salsa big power trip sort of mm. a year and a half ago so it was like almost a full circle moment in where he got over against walter I and mean, he got killed by walter <laughs> to confirm that he was a geek after the most over year and a half of his career yeah. like honestly they should have just got a tombstone out put him <laughs> in the ground or cremated him at this point in time because my god they've killed him i yeah. feel sorry for him i don't know what he's done wrong but yeah has he done something wrong what, well where's dahlia as well that's the other weird thing isn't it because yeah. he's kind of lost something there jp as well from not having dahlia by his side he just Absolutely. He feels lost doesn't he uh, in the card at the moment and yeah brilliant analogy there joe with like that i was such so high on that south pacific power trip match uh with ring Camp from last year and yeah we've come full circle here with tk haven't we jp yeah we have and it's it's really sad to see um because he's better than this mm. he's much better than this this is a guy who you know when they came back when he came back you thought right there's you know this there's, there's going to be some big stuff going on with him and then they pushed him towards the title scene far too soon and then he got completely like derailed after that and mm. and I thought the, the stuff that was interesting in the Thunderbastard where he got those couple of sneak wins I thought okay it's building him up again but no it's this but, almost Ziggler-esque yeah oh no he feels exactly that way but why also have him interfere in the Travis Banks Walter match when Travis Banks was walking out of the match anyway so in that match you have managed to have someone walk out of a match with a shit ending anyway while subsequently killing a guy who was arguably your hottest act a year ago 
before he had to leave the company due to his visa issues. So it just felt like really silly booking all round. Like there was no need for TK Cooper to come out during this match. Like they've not done him any favors whatsoever. He feels like he is sort of worse off than he was two years ago when he was in the super strong style as one of the projo guys who had a decent showing during that super strong style as a chicken shit heel character he feels like he's regressed not because of his in-ring ability but because of this stupid way that progress have booked him it's like they they put him in a position that he hadn't earned when he came back when he was suddenly in a title feud with travis banks they put two guys up against each other that no one had any appetite to see up against one another at that point in time because there hadn't been a feud between the both of them. They had a massive feud there that they could have pulled the trigger on at some point if they just put the super, super, uh, South Pacific power trip back together and had them kind of build from that point. And they've absolutely blown it. They blew, blew the feud between Banks and Brooks. They blew the partnership between Black Banks and Brooks. And they've blown blown the... I can't speak. And they've blown the Banks-TK dynamic all at the same time. And now TK Cooper is left in no man's land. Yeah, definitely. I, I can't disagree with any of that, really. Um, I mean, we'll talk in more detail about the, the happenings of day two and day three. But I did think this match, this, this day one match with David Starr, was kind of just summed up his weekend it was so one-sided there were fun exchanges the kind of exchange where they had a double down that ended in like that star rebound lariat i was into yeah. and then we just went straight to the finish and star got that brain buster on his knee and it was over and it was just so one-sided and yet lots uh lots more negative to come in uh, in tk cooper's weekend as well which we'll get to but yeah certainly a, a disappointment on, on day one um we followed up next then with uh, mark andrews and angelico uh just all right. Not a blow away, man. Shit. Sorry. <laughs> so shit. So shit. Why would you bring him in? Why? Why? Of all the imports you could bring in for this weekend, would you bring him in? He's never been in progress before. Where's Matt Riddle? We got Angelico. Uh, sorry. He's so bad. I don't hate. I don't think he's bad. I just don't. I don't think he's great either. I think he gets booked off. I think it's the strength of Lucha Underground, isn't it? And those. Oh, I that's that's what it is. It's the dives in Lucha Underground. Yeah, is the yeah. Rig- and Banger Rang's a fun entrance. It is. It's it's. If you watch Deadpool two, it's all over. That. He's it's a poor man's El Fantasma at this point. Oh, <laughs> um, I think that's a bit harsh. It's. It, uh, I just don't feel particularly enthused by him necessarily because I mm. never think we don't get the high flying that you that this image of him doing that wild dive off the stage into the ring in Lucha Underground would suggest that's going to be the case. Really, the only time I've seen that was at DTTI. When he did a yeah, dive, that wild there, match with... with um, Jack Evans and Mark Andrews and Eddie Dennis. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we've never really had that ever since. Um, in terms of the match, it was it was just kind of there. Mark Andrews is, is better than this. And obviously he has almost that kind of the key emotional storyline that mm. exists in progress at the yeah. moment, that's his. And that's really where the concentration is. Hence, you know, Eddie, you know, getting, dis- you know, distracting Mark, uh, yeah. Mark Andrews, that- you know, it, it, that's why the match ex- itself existed. Exactly, yeah. It'd be nice to have it with a Matt Riddle. I wonder whether this was a WWE booking and they're interested in Helico again and they wanted to check on Helico out over a weekend. So they got, they yeah. asked if progress would book him for the weekend. I think it's probably more the fact that he lives in Spain now, isn't it? I think that's probably the the, 
the main reason. Yeah, he's moved to either Barcelona or Madrid, I forget which, but that's where he's based now. So I think we are going to see more of him in this country. But yeah, (laughs) I don't think he's that bad. It wasn't a blowaway match by any. He is one of those guys that just has like like turn the tv off like heat for me like i ju- i don't know what it is i just can't stand him I, yeah. I find him awkward i find him just a bit all over the place i never find his matches very interesting i thought this was a really awkward match in many places at the I least think, i think i've ever enjoyed a mark andrews match i think the spots going wrong didn't help them did they, they tried to go for like a a top rope runner at one point so like a fully standing one oh, and they, they wound up doing it on the canvas and kind of gave up i think that would have been the big spot of the match but it didn't happen and yeah like jp just touched on then it was more a backdrop wasn't it to so the dennis stuff it wasn't your uh, yeah your port pure sports match that maybe some might have expected it was a it was the dinner stuff which is so good that i i think i can live with that mm. okay moving on then next up we had jordan devlin and tyler bait uh a good great back and forth match uh maybe not great but the crowd really came alive in this one when uh devlin hit that top rope spanish fly i think it was uh yep. that spot kind of seemed to be a big i don't know if it felt like the live joe that the big wake-up moment for the crowd oh, yeah, and yeah. that's when you got the duel and chance starting and the match kind of went into to next gear from there with the big moves uh, i really enjoyed this one uh, i don't know about you guys Ah, uh, Devlin really swayed a lot of people's thoughts and opinions on him this week uh, in the Progress crowd. Um, I was stood next to some people who were having a chat about how much Devlin sucks and how he's just uh, all the cliches about, you know, he's a poor man's Finn Balor and the big mm-hmm. end and all the rest of it. And he's not very good and he's not been in Progress much before because he's just not good. And by the end of this, they were like, oh, he's actually really good. Um, <laughs> he's awesome. And then by day two, and he did that ridiculous um overhead kick with a beach ball yeah. people were fully on board with jordan <laughs> devlin so i think he's done a, done himself a lot of favors this weekend if he's going to get booked by progress more regularly um i thought this was a really fun match i could have could have seen him go on a could have seen him go a bit longer though um mm. so i was really enjoying it and it sort of ended um but yeah one of the i sort of i thought it was probably the second best match on the first day if anything after the zach and mambo match um mm. yeah just really good how about you, JP? Oh, yeah, I'm well on board the Jordan Devlin train for this. I mean, he's seeing him particularly in OTT and seeing the, the reception he gets there and, and being treated like the superstar and the great matches that that he has. And he has the potential to have. He, we've banged on a few times about getting him back into progress. So I'm glad that he is. And I'm mm-hmm. glad the crowd kind of woke up to him and had discovered what... Um, wrestling fans in Ireland and you know those who go to say Fight Club Pro have known for for quite a while about how talented he really is um like oh yeah I would like to have seen it gone a bit longer I would have been happy for this to be the main I don't think I mean obviously with the benefit of hindsight um it would have been a would have been a good thing to have this as a as a longer match within the tournament but yeah it's you know it was great to see Jordan Devlin getting the kind of respect that he deserves 
even in loss as well. That was kind of the story of his weekend, wasn't it? It was about the performances bell to bell. Yes. Um, and yeah, I'd like to hope that yeah, he's uh, turned around. Even the the people who yeah, like you said, Joe might have been there uh, thinking some some. He doesn't get help though, do the still in the, the UK oh. promotion still talk about Balor every couple of seconds. It's yeah, I don't think he's ever going to escape that. But uh, at least in in that kind of. I think of, he's uh, better than him at this point, if I'm honest with you. He's having better matches than him on a more regular basis. Partly because he gets the opportunity. To yeah. Him. But I'm enjoying Jordan Devlin more than I am Balor at this point, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, moving on then, after this one, we had uh, what was essentially a long angle. Um, Joey Janela against one of the Grizzled Young Vets. As, as a long angle, it kind of did what it was supposed to do. I was kind of torn between it being clever that uh, Gibson and Drake turned it into a turned the situation into their advantage and kind of played the ref. Um, but it, it kind of, I don't know, it was a little bit silly at the same time as well that it went this long. It's Joey Janela, so we'll live. Um, what did you make of this as an angle uh, slash match? It was, uh, it, it was an angle. Um, mm. in terms of a match, it was just sort of a, a brawl as, as much as anything else. Mm. Um, and it was fine. It was actually something different. In a, in a way, I mean, it was it was it's kind of nice to put in something that has that little change of kind of pace and tone, and the way that you'd had the fact that both grizzled young vets were going to be were announced as being in the tournament, you knew that this is what it was leading to. Janela's not hurt by it; he's no. not a progress regular. His stock in trade is wackiness as much, yeah. and trying to kill himself at an obscenely young age. Um, <laughs> so yeah. It was, it was fine. As long as he's got that theme music, he's always going to be doing all right. It broke yeah. the show up quite nicely as well. I thought yeah. it was something a bit different. Definitely, yeah. I think uh, that Kavinsky song is just perfect. We've used that a couple of times on this show as intro music. He, that's the thing about Janela, isn't it? He's kind of got presence and he's kind of got a wacky charisma. Um, he's not your great worker, uh, worker. So yeah, you can you can do this kind of stuff with him. It was overbooked, but again, it's Janela, so no real uh, shame in, in in loss here to uh, the Grizzled Young Vets. Um, just to wrap up day one, then we had uh, two more matches: uh, Flash Morgan Webster versus Keith Lee was the semi-made event. Uh, Flash Morgan Webster I think there's a bit of subtlety to this story now that I, I do appreciate he's kind of Daniel Wyatt here isn't he wearing the he's wearing the black gear but he's he's still subtly being the babyface in peril for much of the match as selling is very sympathetic um, he's almost boy lost uh, here like still he's sticking two fingers up to Lee but he's still the babyface Flash Morgan Webster apart from you know the the presentation and the fact that he's knocking around with Havoc and Haskins uh, what do you make of the story here with them any more any more sold on it and uh, what do you think of it as a match uh, good match I really liked that match last year as well <clears throat> I thought this was decent for the time it got um, it was exactly what you'd imagine you'd get between the two. I thought Flash was bouncing around very nicely for Keith Lee at various yeah. points. I love the way he took um, Keith Lee's pounce as yes. well. Oh, so my God. Good. Yeah. Just love that bump. Um, that was awesome. Uh, great bump from the Spirit Bomb as well. Like Flash made Keith Lee look like a million dollars here, let's just say. Um, the storyline, um, well, we're going to come on to the Havoc Osprey stuff, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. I'll save it for that. Um, I just, why is Flash Morgan Webster hanging around with them, though? 
Yeah, it's kind of. I think the the, the hoping for the big, you know, that big Daniel Bryan moment when he was on top of the cage after turning on the Wyatts. I don't think we're going to quite get that. I don't think him going back face will be the big deal that he wanted to be. But I did dig, dig what they did here. Um, I think I like a bit of depth. And although the Havoc and Haskins stuff isn't really for me, it was a good spin on the the big man little man match. I think for his part, Morgan Webster with his desperation off offense was good. And um, like I say, there was layers there with maybe not taking the opportunity to cheat to when it was there. Um, what do you think, JP? Uh, I think. Sorry, mate. You're gonna have to start that question again. I got distracted by just I was having a look at something about the match. <laughs> I just said what do you think of the match it's not a match I can remember that well to be honest I just remember the big bumps from it I don't remember any that of was the story it. I've kind of got okay alright I thought it was a match again it was fine not as good as the Manchester match um, I Webster has gotten better I mean it's been a much more sort of gradual incline as much as anything else but he is he is getting better it is what it was um yeah, it wasn't one of the matches that kind of really stood out for me mm. on on day one, other than the kind of, as Joe had said already, the, the kind of big spots, in particular the pounds. Mm. Definitely. Well, moving on then, we'll there'll be the big story at day one, um, and in the tournament was Cassius Ono coming in from NXT, uh, oh, yeah. a big match for for Chris Brooks, but something of a, a muted main event I thought uh, Joe uh, I'll let you go first you, uh, you said quite a bit about this one on, on Twitter um, Chris Brooks in this main event position against an, an established star they did try and make it a you know a big moment of a match but um, did, did Brooks deliver for you in, in this role? No he no. didn't um, I'm a massive Chris Hero fan he's um, one of my favourite wrestlers ever Mm. And I was super excited to see Cassius Ono. Um, oh no, sorry. Um, but <laughs> yeah, this wasn't the best Chris Hero match I've seen. Um, the last few years, I think it was the least enjoyable Chris Hero match that I've seen live as well. It was kind of boring. Um, I found myself really zoned out at points of it. I just found out that Southampton had, uh, drawn with Everton as well. So I was a bit <laughs> pissed off of that. Um, and yeah I just wasn't into it I just I just don't know about Brooks as a single um, seen him have good matches and when he's selling I think he's uh, he can really sort of get sympathy and I think he is a, he is good at selling mm. but his size is just so confusing at times his offence I find a little bit all over the place as well and isn't very consistent and doesn't really fit with his character. I don't really know what his character is in the ring when he's a singles wrestler either. It's He just feels a bit lost at the moment. I don't feel like he's really found himself as a singles wrestler and I don't know if he's just biding time waiting for Lycos to come back. I'm really not sure of it, but yeah, this was really lacking, I thought. Yeah, it's kind of like he sells some t-shirts and he's a he's a lovely bloke and everyone you know in the hardcore bubble loves him for those reasons and others and great tag wrestler as well but yeah, yeah. i just he's the kind of guy brooks i think if he turns up in wwe uk like ono kind of alluded to in his promo after the match i think while everyone in our bubble is going to be hyping him he's the wrestler who your casual mates are going to be watching and going that's it i don't get it well why are you raving about this yeah, chris brooks yeah. and it's because yeah. they're maybe they're not on the ground like 
most hardcore fans are and having these uh, these interactions and seeing them around a lot I don't know do you think uh, we're onto something there JP or were you any more impressed with this so. match than me or Joe no not really I mean I, I just found it kind of it just felt very lacklustre mm. um, there, there were points during it where I just didn't feel particularly engaged which again I'm a, a big Chris Hero fan I refuse I don't like saying it's WWE name and actually the commentary over the weekend there were so many times that was one of the, the funnier <laughs> points is, is commentators accidentally calling him particularly Matt Richards um, easily done um, but yeah with with Brooks I mean as with a lot of these things it, it kind of takes time mm-hmm. and I don't think he's going to be at the level as a singles wrestler really it's going to be it could take a couple of years before mm-hmm. he gets to that point and then there is that connection Particularly the connection as a single character, as, as Joe's mentioned, that he does he does need that for when he's in the ring. Like, what is there a particular style he's trying to engage with? Because at times that's very hard to pick up on. If that's the case, I think he just maybe lacks a bit of confidence in a singles position as well. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I think we all want him to be better because, like you've, like you kind of said, he's a nice guy, yeah. and he's really talented, clearly, um, and has done some great stuff with branding and merchandise, and it just seems like a good bloke generally. But yeah, I just feel like he's really missing something as a singles wrestler. His Fight Club Pro, Fight Club Pro title reign wasn't helped by the booking of him during yeah. that, no. um, and I thought that was a real opportunity for him to maybe pick it up and be in some more prominent singles matches. And he was, and when he, but when he was, he didn't really deliver, and there wasn't really anything that I thought was a standout uh, like when he was in a singles contest on those Fight Club Pro shows so yeah um, mm. bit of a disappointment really yeah I think so and it, again the, the just watching on the VOD the v, the finish kind of came out of nowhere with the death by elbow which I know is the point but I was a bit surprised but I mean the, I think part of it was that the crowd as well seemed quietly into it and the way big pops were you know like that I think it was a Mishinoku driver that Brooks hit and there was a brainbuster spot that did get, you know, the, the fans going and there was a, we got to a strike exchange near the end, but they were just, yeah, the crowd seemed a bit quiet as well. It just, yeah, I don't think it delivered on the, uh, on the stage as being the, uh, the big main events, uh, from night one and certainly there were, there were more notable matches, uh, early on in the evening. Uh, moving on then to day two, and we'll go through the highlights of day two. The, I suppose the big story is the tournament matches and the, and the title match on day two. As far as tournament matches go, we opened up with Pete Dunne and Zach Gibson and an alright match with a really bad finish. Yeah. Um, again, we, we might be coming across story very negative. Story of the show. Yeah, we might be coming very negative on these three days, but there's lots of positive to talk as well, I think. Um, oh, but yeah. yeah, as far as, this one went it was kind of the problem with having Pete Dunne in the tournament when you can't really beat him even with the WWE guy like Gibson it was just kind of hilarious that uh, Dunne would get DQ for using a chair despite the fact there was 20 odd people in the in the ring um, even the commentary were wondering why Havoc and Haskins were even in there um, I'm guessing they were in there to start the the build to the six man with uh, British Strong Style that's coming up in Manchester this weekend um, but just all all a bit weird really it doesn't um, feel very organic though does no. it no, the match is already announced, isn't it, before yeah, you build do it? Yeah, a run-in. <laughs> what, what's it about? Well, why are they doing it? I suppose, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> How about you, JP? Uh, yeah, I hate the ending. I mean, there's there's another ending that happens later on that I'm, I'm not a fan of either. It, it Like you say, they, they kind of book themselves into a corner. 
Mm. I mean, in that case, why have him in the tournament? Why not have him in a series of sort of other singles matches that are going on in those first two days? Because he wasn't there for the day three anyhow. Um, yeah, really, at the end of the day, like this kind of DQ doesn't work, particularly if you're a if you're a company that has sort of like a kind of punk rock kind of almost quite wild ethos at points when you get that it doesn't it doesn't feel organic in the slightest no. yeah and it, the argument you can make here is after what jimmy abbott said in his promo to osprey they've made this match because uh british strong style are with the uh, wwe and progress are kind of promoting them still and being quite positive about them but they've not given haskins and have the opportunities when they've broken their body for the company because not with wwe but hold on wasn't the storyline leading up to ali pally last year that British strong star were like these uh, like kind of interlopers in the promotion because they were contracted to WWE and progress management didn't like that. It's all very confusing when you look at it kind of long term, but they're now putting these guys up. But previously these guys are putting them down. And it's just like, what? Like, this is just weird. Like mm. what is going on here? Mm. And I don't think, I don't think anyone buys that this was a long term thing. If anything, um, yeah, I could talk about that shite faction forever, but that's not <laughs> British Strong Style. That's the Havoc and Haskins um, team of Joe Hart and Jack Wilshire. But um, <laughs> yeah, I won't go into that. Yeah, I mean, th- this uh, day two kind of, there, there was one of those six man matches with Havoc, Haskins, and Morgan Webster against Brooks, Janelle, and Mark Andrews, which was purely set up for Havoc and Janelle's death match. But not a great advert for, for dream six-man matches with this Havoc, Haskins and Morgan Webster uh, group. Um, th- that was one of the non-tournament matches. There was also Mambo, Devlin and Cooper, which was a, a much stronger match than that um, on the yeah. undercard of day two. Uh, any no- notes on uh, on either of those two matches? I did think that, uh, like we mentioned about day one, uh, Jordan Devlin and his overhead kick and just his general um, showing in this one was another example of uh, what he could bring to progress. Three-way was good fun, but I think one of the things that you're pointing out here, Ben, I mean, inadvertently, is the amount of filler that's Mm. over these shows when there are free shows. Yeah. Like, uh, I could go without seeing any of that. Mm. This could have been done in two days, and I wonder whether they would have drawn as many or or even more people over two days as they did over three days. Probably about 1,500, maybe just over in a couple of days in there, I would say. And I just sort of think to myself, ugh, three days if you did two and you did it just as one night staying over somewhere could you have got two thousand on each day potentially Mm. i just feel that they're padding cards out over the period and like when we went to 16 carat there's obviously bits of filler that they put on those cards but it felt a lot fresher and a lot more interesting than a lot of the filler that kind of ended up on these cards here at like the six man i just had no interest in i think i went for a piss and then i came back and was like oh still going on is it and i had no reason to invest in it like i don't know what the storyline is there is no storyline it's just <clears throat> six guys resting on a card to fill some time and to get them on the card because they're there that weekend like yeah the, the freeway was good it was good fun but again on a weekend which is based around a tournament is it needed mm. that's what i'll ask mm. yeah that is definitely a question it's just kind of especially watching back i was kind of trying to get through all three of these shows and I was looking at the match list thing going off oh, for Christ's sake <laughs> they'd be like there was a couple one of the nights had at least 
I think the first night had eight matches on. I'm sure one of the nights had nine on it, and it's just it's a bit much, isn't it? Um, I mean, we're being a little bit negative, but I would say on day two here, the tournament matches uh, certainly delivered. At least I think that the high end uh, quarterfinal matches, David Starr and yep. and Zack Saber Jr. was a really good one. I think this kind of stood out as being different, just kind of starting with the slap fights and Star using the his handstands and lariat more as like a consistent weapon throughout the match which I thought was different um, to go up yeah. against Zack Sabre Jr.'s um, limb work I just thought that maybe the brutality early in this one again drawing blood kind of gave it something different helped it stand out and, and brought the crowd a, a little bit more alive than maybe some of the, the earlier matches on the show yeah definitely this was the point in the show that I kind of really perked up was was this match looking looking forward to it and it's funny i think the last time i'd seen these two wrestle it was the tetsujin so it was an entirely kind of different environment but funny enough that violence and brutality you were talking about really sort of came into effect as two guys who've kind of done that to each other before mm. so it really worked i mean again um you know zach is great and was great that weekend so yeah. it, it's it's not uh, a surprise at all i mean anytime you put these two guys on together you you are going to get uh, a really good match at worst mm. yeah i thought this was a great match yeah. i was really into this one it was the, it was the hard strikes that yeah. got me if yeah. anything how different that was on a progress card when walter's not in a match it really really stood out if anything um i thought this was probably the best match of, on this card, if anything, uh, Zach again delivered in a different, completely different sort of match. You think about the match he had over this weekend, the yeah. style, like the man is so diverse and can wrestle a multitude of different styles with different opponents over the course of three nights, and it's just not an issue to him. Like I wish I had an ounce of the talent that Zach Saber Junior does in my own job. I'll say <laughs> yeah. that because my God, I'd be superb at it if I did. Yeah, not many people hold up over multiple. He's the ultimate tournament wrestler, isn't he? Over multiple yeah, days, is. like like Zack Sabre Junior. Um, not many people kind of take a big loss like David Starr either. I'm not sure if that's a a good thing or not. But again, he looked absolutely dejected here, crashing out of the tournament. Um, just yeah, great great uh, chemistry from the two, and just a, another great uh, Zack Sabre Junior match to to add to the canon. Uh, they had a great match in WXW recently. Believe so, yeah. Better than this one as well. So that's on uh, Shotgun, I think. Yep, I'll have to give that one a watch. Definitely. Uh, the other notable quarterfinal match on night two, uh, Cassia Soto and Tyler Bate. I really thought it was a much better Ono match than on night one. Still maybe not classic yes. Chris Hero, but this was one where you got lots of those Ono strikes and dominance. And I thought Tyler was really good fighting from underneath as well, kind of getting his little hope spots in with his deadlift jamming and trying to birdie, but getting caught by strikes from Ono. Uh, I thought this was a really, really... Oh, there's just a, a cool veteran versus upstart match, and uh, you mentioned there, Joe, that you preferred the Zack Sabre David Star match. But at this point in the tournament, this was probably uh, my favourite match on J- on day two. I don't know uh, where you put it, JP. I would I put it up there for this. I mean, it's actually in hindsight, there's something sad about the fact that Tyler Bate injured himself during a match, mm. lifting up um, Hero for the rack. That Is that was, where it happened? Was that- it? Uh, yeah, when he when he he tried to lift him up and then it fell, but apparently that's that's where it happened. And they did an announcement for the on the day three at the start <laughs> of the VOD, which had said that he'd injured himself in, in the match as a result of that. Of um, and it was, but it was good. It was like 
like you say, not the kind of. I would have preferred to have seen this not in a quarter final in a way. This felt like something as a semi or as a final. That would have been would have been great, but you know that's the when you do a, a random draw, I suppose that's what's going to happen. Allegedly um, random. It. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not buying that either. Yeah, so I'm going to say I like believing kayfabe. Uh, but I mean, well, I enjoyed it. What about you, Joe? I thought that uh, oh, the yeah. airplane, the airplane spin spot. My God, that was that was something uh, that was obscene. That uh, bait managing to get Ono up. Yeah, there's little to yeah. pick between this match and the Zack David Star match. To be honest with you, that airplane spin at the end was yeah. bloody impressive, um, and it's a moment that will always stick in my head because I couldn't believe that he managed to get him up. To be honest, it, it just looked bloody impressive. Chris Hero is still awesome as well and you could see it here um there were little things that chris hero was doing like the way he changes like the pace momentum of a match and kind of a stone's throw if anything some of tyler bates uh movement era as well i thought was great there was a whole sequence where they uh, tyler bates strike tyler Bates was striking hero and mm. i loved how he was getting over the sense of threat in hero by kind of increasing the pace of the strikes that he was placing on hero whereas you usually get the like what's it called the bop and the bang it was like he was doing a combination he was doing multiple um bops and bangs, bangs at the same time and <laughs> uh, it was sort of never seen from before so it's sort of got over how important the match was how sort of much of a threat hero was as an opponent as well um just a great match that i didn't think that we'd see outside of a wwe ring if anything so yeah really glad that they booked this one um and tyler bait looking great as well looking sharp he seems to improve every time i see him definitely yeah it felt like uh this was a big match for tyler and you know in going over kind of clean here with the tyler driver was like i was thinking oh yeah th- this is probably the man who they were expecting to win it but as jp alluded to there uh, uh ono would come back into the tournament and replace him but we'll uh, we'll get into that on day three uh mm-hmm. but yeah awesome match uh again one one of my highlights of the tournament uh, a match that i was expecting Expecting to be one of my highlights of the tournament was the main event today too. Uh, Travis Banks and Walter, it had a big match feel. Um, I thought they both played their roles well. But yeah, uh, it's hard to talk about this one without talking about the finish. Um, you can get away with one every now and then. A, a count out uh, heel loss, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, did it felt like uh, it kind of killed the I know it was the main event so everyone went and got a, a night's sleep for day three but it kind of felt like it, it killed the buzz in the building uh, how was it being there live and uh, yeah what did you make of the finish guys it felt like it killed the buzz in the building mm. is, is how it felt um, it's a f- okay so we were at WXW and when An- Absolute Andy won that there was obviously a sense of disappointment but in this, but you didn't feel short change. Yeah, we we knew we'd seen a great match and we'd seen a clean finish. Yeah, mm. and so you were you even though it wasn't the outcome you wanted, you accepted that was the case. And within a kind of larger storyline, how that's going to play into it, here it's you can get away with it. Possibly this is this is it. If it becomes a regular thing, then it's like, well, why come out to wrestle in the first place? Why not just run into the ring? Wait until the ring announce is done and just run out. I think <laughs> like it, it, that's the logical part of yeah. it. It's the most preposterous finish to a match possible. I hate oh. this finish. I hated this finish when I was seven, 
and I hate this finish when I'm in my 30s. It's a fucking shit finish. It doesn't make any sense. Why can't you just walk out? Like, if you can just walk out, why not just walk out all the time? If I didn't have to go to work for the day and I could turn up, sign a piece of paper and walk <laughs> out and do my own thing for a day, bloody hell, I'd do that every day if I could. It'd be great fun. Like, this is just so stupid. What I hated afterwards the, was the the defence of this finish. Like, the, oh, you're supposed to feel annoyed. And I just sort of think to myself, have these people just not watched that much wrestling? Like, have they not thought about other ways of getting out of matches like this and other types of finishes that you can do where they're yeah. screwy, but you pay it off a little bit more. Walking out of a match is the most deflating finish possible. Like, I just felt absolute apathy towards this finish at the end of it it was just like oh really i've made this point before but it's like i remember 15 years ago being live at a ring of honor show with cm punk and jimmy rave and jimmy rave cheated and got disqualified i think he used prince nana's air freshener or whatever to spray in cm punk's eyes and it was a dq finish to a really good match i remember at the time all, all anyone was getting angry at was a Gabe Sapolsky. They were getting mad at the booker. No one gave a fuck that Jimmy Rave had cheated. It, the anger was directed to the booker, and that's kind of wrestling now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. kind of it's an attempt to grab some old school heat, but I don't know. I just feel like the heat lungs in the wrong place. Yes, yeah. the genie's out the bowl. So once you know that somebody has come up with this finish and that's been implemented, you kind of know where the blame lies. That's the issue that. The, and, and the biggest scale that people know is with WWE and Vince McMahon. I mean, ultimately coming down to him, even though he's clearly not in any fit mind to kind of be creative in anything. How, anyway, I digress. <laughs> he isn't. He really isn't. In, in this, what I fear is going to happen is there's going to be a series of him walking out up until Wembley when at the end of it there is a kind of screw like somebody will come out and confront well have you seen his new t-shirt yeah so he's marketing it as well which i also find questionable because he's actually very good i think at doing this character and he's quite entertaining uh playing this character and he works it well in the ring as well and he still has that element of credibility in the ring even though he is being a bit of a chicken shit i think with the way he plays it up but as soon as i saw that t-shirt i thought to myself hmm that's a bit it's a bit of a sort of, you know, it's a bit odd. Yeah, a bit of a contradiction when he's trying to get this heel character over by walking out, but then there's walks out of 10 or something in a t shirt, and you think all the kind of like, oi, Trav, he walks out of 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look at me t shirt. walks out of 10, doesn't he? Oh, look, he's walking out of 10, and that becomes a thing, and everyone's like, everyone starts getting into the 10 counts as a result of it being a bloody t shirt. It's what JP said at the end of the last show, I think, like, because he'll be good at doing this heel character. People will get into him again, and people will start liking him again. It feels and like that's happening. Marketing that as well. I'm sure that could. I'm sure there's more chance of that happening. Yeah, I think so. And I think part of me is like, well, he's in the moments. You know, his facials, his movements. He's not exactly subtle, but uh, it's hard to cheer for Travis Banks. But I think you've got a combination of that: the fact that he's entertaining as a heel, the fact that I mean, we've said it a million times. So I'm not going to go down that road again. But I'm still questioning what the kayfabe reason is that he's a heel now, uh, apart from the the bad booking. Uh, but yeah, all those things kind of add up, don't they? And it is all just a bit strange right now. I was very, very surprised that they didn't um, maybe take it here and put the belt on Walter. Um, but like yeah. you say, they, 
we're probably well, going to be getting Sexsmith match as well, isn't it? I think that. that we've got on Sunday. Definitely, yeah. We'll we'll get into that too. Uh, moving on then to to day three. Then um, we kind of had a, a lot of angle development uh, on day three, um, starting with the the best feud in British wrestling, Mark Andrews and and Eddie Dennis. Uh, Dennis has attacked the tour manager, I believe, of Junior, um, and cost Mark Andrews the match the day before. Uh, I love Dennis being delighted his eight month plan had finally worked, but talking about uh, fans cheering heels, he got a a bit of a babyface response uh, here, where j- just for maybe just how entertaining he was in this segment. Uh, but yeah, yeah good storyline progression anyway, and uh, a bit of brutality to to go with it as well. More good stuff from Mark Andrews and Eddie Dennis. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it was kind of. I mean, it's one of the issues that the the Eddie Dennis character is going to have to sort of like to prevent cheers from happening is because of the kind of brute honesty and the perspective he has and the investment in it it's hard not to be entertained by it mm. so that's part of the issue is trying to keep him on that side of just being a dick as well making yeah. sure that that's in place um and he was funny in the response where he's like told him to grow up didn't he <laughs> and then Eddie Dennis points out the height difference is the obvious thing to say um so yeah i'll be glad like when it builds up to that wembley match and how crucial it is and i said it earlier on in the show this for me is the storyline with the kind of emotional investment that's got that within the within the company it's the real classic slow build obviously there's an enforced element to it as well and as long as they don't have them really touching each other before they get to wembley but with some other sort of heinous acts from eddie dennis in the meantime i'm all good i i did love the attack at the um concert i thought that was a, yeah. a great way to go um yeah. that was something i would never have even thought of and it just it gets across that storyline that hatred and it makes the makes the storyline stand out even more if anything doesn't it um yeah i thought that was great definitely good stuff uh, I mean we won't go through everything that, that happened on night 3 but that was a really big uh, development uh, and we'll guess we'll see what happens with the Eddie Dennis and Mark Andrews story um, any notes on uh, some more of the undercard uh, there was a Wasteman challenge I was kind of as Roy oh. Johnson came out I was kind of thinking you, you wouldn't be wouldn't be the worst thing it wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world if you were watching this as a New Progress fan going who is this man why is yeah. who's, who's Roy Johnson and why is he in a match that will uh, get him back into the tournaments I mean he was treated as a joke throughout the match and continuously got knocked out by uh, by Cassius Ono um, it was just a route to get Ono back in the tournament with that Tyler Bater yeah. uh, any thoughts on this one or, or anything else there on the undercard outside of the tournament it was a similar with the Wasteman Challenge a couple of things Roy Johnson felt very passe here mm. it felt like very 2006 yeah it feels very much sort of behind the times mm. and the fact he's not really been around and clearly there's an element of the, of the family he didn't get kind of any mammoth reception or anything else like that for someone who's who came through the projo so he does feel almost like unless he's going to start working and on a regular basis for them it, it's like this I is hope not no and this is the role he's going to take up 
Um, it is a bit. I do think this waistband challenge is a yearly tradition. Is getting a bit it like it doesn't need to be a yearly tradition. Like it just felt this was the least funny waistman challenge yeah. ever. Yeah. <laughs> Odo trying to do the full rap. For, I mean, it was impressive that he could do it. But coming after, I mean, Devlin was quite good making the jokes about Roy Johnson and WWE house shows. I couldn't understand what he said. Yeah, the, there's that problem too, isn't it? Being so echoey. Yeah, there was. Uh, but this is the kind of good default mechanism to go to if you've got an injured wrestler within mm. this. You've got enough people who are hanging around for the weekend to have a multi-man match. So when with this happening with Tyler Bate, it was kind of, I mean, I already knew the result, but it was the logical thing to do was to get. Um, hero back in the tournament and then the fact he had to wrestle a couple more times that day kind of makes it even more incredible um, yeah other than that there was a squash mm. um, on the on, on the undercard I, and he's, I mean Mills and Mayhew didn't get much in did they no against um, Haskins and Flash but get, kind of going to Joe's point about too much stuff I don't think this card uh, needed this match on day three no not really I don't think I watched it. I can't remember it. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't the most memorable of matches. Um, I mean, as far as memorable matches go, let's hit on the the heavy hitting stuff. The two semi-finals, uh, Keith Lee versus Zack Sabre Jr. and uh, Cassius Soto versus Zach Gibson. Uh, Lee and Zack Sabre, uh, a lovely send-off for Keith Lee, um, similar to what he got in WXW. I think he's going to be hugely missed from the Indies. Um, But yeah, a a really good match, which again was another great uh, Zack Sabre Jr. tournament match. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just carried on the, the, the great run. Um, there was some nice points as well where Keith Lee was sort of beating down on Zach and Zach would just be getting up and getting in his face. And ever since he's added that kind of, just that little bit of sort of dickishness into his character, that sort of resulted in helping him along with this absolute tear. Um, Zach yeah. works great against anyone, though, doesn't he? He's a yeah. big man that's just been put in front of him. He wrestles a completely different style. Everybody's been in the ring with this weekend. Yeah. No problem. I'll adapt once again. I'll do some different stuff once again. There was some really unique stuff in there, I thought, yeah. at different points. Um, I thought that Zach, again, just proved why he's probably the best wrestler in the world. At the, well, arguably the best wrestler in the world at the moment, that's for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Really strong pair. And I mean, what did you make of Ono and Gibson? Uh, I didn't think this one quite lived up. It was a alright match, a very basic uh, heel and face match, kind of built around Gibson's heel work and teasers of James Drake interference, which, uh, depending on your mileage, uh, either added or detracted from the match. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of like that... Uh, the, the Ono style um, indie match more than I, I kind of like this. This felt more like the type of stuff you, you see from Ono uh, in NXT more than anything. But, but I suppose that's a good advert for Gibson. Yeah, most definitely. And I, like I said before, with the Angelico potential trial, I think there were WWE fingerprints over a lot of uh, <laughs> the weekend, if I'm honest. But mm. I'm probably a bad person for thinking that sort of stuff, aren't I? Um <laughs> how dare i yeah it just felt like it was a little bit dead at points um it was fine they it got them to a point here i had another match coming up he'd already had one i got what it was and why it was laid out in a certain way i suppose the drake stuff that was going on all weekend this was the payoff to that as well if anything yeah so they paid off something that they booked reasonably well for at the weekend so i didn't mind it really 
Um, I mean, next up we had uh, our death match with, with Havoc and Janela. I suppose that's the the more newsworthy stuff as far as uh, day three goes. It was uh, as far as a match, it was kind of a very messy, but at least different match. Kind of gave us a, a break maybe from from the tournament stuff. That uh, Jimmy Havoc barefoot double stomp and drawing pins was uh, was oh. quite memorable. So uh, they did do their job there, even if maybe the crowd seemed a, a little bit tired for this one. JP, it was a long three days. Yeah, it was. It was the. I'm not a fan of death matches don't like death matches that much and one of the things that i don't like about them at times is that there's always this logistical bit where they've got to set up another wacky spot mm. and that inevitably takes a bit of time so there was the point where i think where joey janela was setting up the table on the outside near the commentary position then it was a good splash and the table split perfectly which is quite unique in this country um <laughs> but those kind of things and, and like with the the spot where Janela ends up going onto the chair through the uh, the cinder blocks as well. Oh, that was horrible. I, yeah, I just don't particularly like it. However, in terms of the purpose it ended up serving, was a much greater good. Yeah. Um, for what happened afterwards. I was just going to say that's kind of the 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 big thing, isn't it? Of the the big thing to take away from here is uh, is that havoc promo after the match. That's why uh, this was here. And I don't know. I'll, I'll let you take the floor, Joe. Uh, probably the the strongest promo segment maybe outside of andrews and dennis the progress (laughs) we've done in years uh what did you make of this one i thought this was absolutely classic progress um but yeah what are your thoughts it's interesting you say that because on my notes i've got written osprey and have amazing best segment in progress outside of dennis (laughs) versus andrews in forever Uh, osprey and havoc dynamic very special yeah i thought this was the best thing that happened over the course of the three days of honest with you um this is the jimmy havoc that we all want to see isn't it this is the jimmy havoc coming to life again um after just uh like i said in the last episode harry rednapping it up and taking on whatever job and taking a payday and having a drink after after work and all the rest of it this was proper jimmy havoc once again um the promo was great for one yep. uh, there was like passion in his voice once again which has been missing when we've heard him when he well he's hardly been on the mic but when we have heard him on the mic it's been all much of a muchness and it just felt like there was a proper direction here finally which we've all been looking for and him and Osprey said next to each other oh it was great just looking at how looking at Osprey coming in looking like a, a superstar he's in the prime of his life he's in the prime of his career he's just been having great matches in Japan with Kushida I mean, you've got Jimmy Havoc there looking like this pathetic, washed-up bloke whose career is kind of on the back burner while Osprey's going from strength to strength. The dynamic of the two of them stood next to each other was just amazing. Like, I loved mm. seeing it. Um, Progress are doing themselves a lot of favours by going back to the, the few that put them on the map and the best few that they've ever booked. Um, I, I can't wait to see the match at Wembley, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Um, there wasn't that much I was excited for regarding Wembley, but that is a match that can get me excited on a moment's notice because there is something truly special between Osprey and Havoc. I don't know what it is, but the, that dynamic of those two brings out the best in both of them, especially the best of Jimmy Havoc. And yeah, I'm glad to see him together once again. Uh, JP? Yeah, all of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't really say. It, it is. It was. It was great. It felt like um, 
like you say, and like both of you have said, a trip back to sort of classic Jimmy Havoc, um, and an interesting new, uh, dynamic as well within that. It's, it, it feels like the extension to the story rather than repeating the story, and that would have been a very easy trap to fall into, but they didn't. Um, the you know, Osprey having the axe and everything else. There's not you know the callbacks to to kind of earlier matches they've had in their career, um, and it should be absolutely wild and obviously Havoc will be able to kind of um, really throw himself into it if he's given the promo time to be allowed to do it and also kind of maintain his character one of the things that we have constantly complained about is the lack of explanation for the yeah uh, we found that here and we got it Uh, we got it late (laughs) Like, and I know the idea would be, well, you don't leave plot twists until then, but it's like, well, you've got to make people interested in the story, you know, in order to, for that plot twist to kind of be there. But it, shit just goes on, and it's just like these two people are together, and you, you sort of think, ah, what, what's happened here? Why are they behaving in this way? You, you kind of need to foreshadow where it's going to go as well in order to, to keep that interest. But here, this was one of the things, as, along with a, a couple of other potentially interesting announcements, if they happen for for Wembley, make me a hell of a lot more interested in mm. that show. Yeah, I think. I mean, there are holes in the in the Havoc explanation. Um, oh, some, some of them will be talked about day one there, Joe. I, I enjoyed at least trying to make sense of it you know trying to say well we were booked last year and are ali pali against each other and then you know you're you booking imports and trainees rather than us um him being mad that will osprey came back was a really good point uh the fact that that's been a been an elephant in the room for quite a while glad they they kind of addressed that um but yeah the, the, i think there were some holes there but overall just although it was brilliantly done and i just think like we you both said there just the the difference between the two this broken needs another beer jimmy havoc at his absolute lowest and and will osprey coming in as one of the best wrestlers in the world kind of covered over those cracks uh i think i think uh, on balance well, they found a way to make the most of several kind of unanswered questions that I don't know if they ever would have been uh, ever answered. Mm. Uh, but they found a way of getting us to this match and making this match make mm. more sense. And to give this feud another layer, if anything, it doesn't feel like you just throw them together once again. Like Osprey's promo addressing Havoc as like a pathetic, washed up wrestler was great. Uh, and him sort of saying, I want, you know, the old Jimmy Havoc and all the rest of it. It gave it that layer, and I think it coming after a death match where Jimmy Havoc post match looked fucked really helped yeah. things out. If anything, his hair was all over the place. He didn't have any shoes on. <laughs> his feet were out. He just looked like a bum. If yeah. anything, <laughs> so I think the whole dynamic of it was put together with such um, sort of care. If anything, that it it made it that little bit more emotional to some extent um yeah it's this is a feud that if they can get a couple more angles out of it i'll be really happy as well i'd maybe even love to see a swords of essex versus havoc and haskins match on the way in as well if they can make that work at any point oh yeah that'd be good I think so, because I think Robbo's kind of willing to take bookings, just not full-time. I think you could definitely do that. Um, and it would Well, call he's there as to, an agent, isn't he, as There well. you go, he's at the building anyway, and you can call back to so many points from, from their history. I think that's a, that's a really uh, strong idea there. But yeah, I, I mean, 
all in all, I thought this was an inspired segment and an inspired choice to put on Wembley. It's certainly, as well as maybe one of the other points that we're going to get to in a minute, uh, a reason that's maybe a lot more interested uh, in the the Wembley show uh, than maybe I was a week ago. Um, before we get to maybe that that other big story point uh, and we get to the, the main event, uh, there are a couple more matches on this day three. Uh, I don't think we need to go through them in too much detail. We had a women's title match with Tony Storm and Charlie Morgan, which I did think was very paint by numbers and that TK Cooper and Walter match that I almost <laughs> regret bringing up. Uh, I don't know if you've got any more to add on uh, on what we said about TK Cooper's uh, weekend so far or, or much to say about that Storm or, or Morgan match. Uh, Storm and Morgan I thought was alright actually. I didn't mind it too much. Um, it was the most I've enjoyed an individual Charlie Morgan performance I think. Um, I, I'm a Tony Storm fan as well. Um, but it was nothing blow away by any means. It was fine I thought. Um yeah, Walter TK was fucking ridiculous, and I feel sorry for <laughs> TK Cooper. Yeah. And I understand, like, getting someone who, booking someone strong and making them look strong. There are so many other people you could have thrown out there and had him kill. Throw yeah. Roy Johnson out there again. Throw, uh, I don't know, another Projo guy out there for two minutes. Like, why has it got to be TK Cooper? Like, they've just killed... Yeah. They've killed someone who they could have got so much out of, and I feel really bad for the bloke, because him being booked strong in progress got him to a point where he could do stuff like bowler last year, and unfortunately picked up an injury when he was really peaking, and he's never got back to those heights because progress have booked him really poorly since then um don't know if he's put too much trust in the promotion but this is a an example of like really painful progress booking um if anything um i was gonna say as well we obviously got the christian michael jacoby segment on this show didn't we as well what did you make of that yeah i think uh i mean uh, I think it's interesting that he, I mean, Ilya coming into progress. Uh, so that's that's the the segment was him coming out and challenging Pete Dunn on behalf of Ilya Dragunov. Pete Dunn not there because of a, a family issue. Um, I think it's just a bit strange that he's going after Dunn as WWE champion and he's not going after the Progress champion. Other than that, though, yeah, I can't uh, definitely can't complain about uh, Ilya in progress. I think he'll be protected mm. with that WXW relationship, uh, and I think he'll certainly add something to the cards. Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the things I, I was like fearing that they might do is have this match on the Germany shows when they go to Germany. Mm. I mean, instead, I think it'd be much easier to do a have them clash in a in a six person involving British strong style. And dragon off and and I don't know whoever else you could have him up up with. Um, that for me would be a better way of going because this is a this is a match that should be on at Wembley. Mm. Like this is it, it has it has a big time feel. It's also a canny move of cross promotion of getting hopefully a few fans from Germany maybe coming over as well. Um, and there are lots of people who are big fans of Ilya Dragunov and and. You know, obviously the the footage of you know when he entered in WXW and the various exploits he's had there and the matches he's he's had over the last year. This is someone who needs to be seen on a bit on a biggest level. The only thing that I kind of wonder about is is does he have to be the one who goes over here? Mm. Yeah, I think that's a question. Um, 
I hope we don't get a fuck finish uh, like we get like we got with yeah. the Travis Banks Walter match. Yeah, I don't really know how you you get yourself out of that. But again, you know, a big match that they they've got up the sleeve, and uh, it'll be interesting yeah. uh, to see uh, where it comes. Um, but yeah, we get get some more of those WXW guys in. Yeah, and the it, women as well. They they're great into that, progress. Into yeah, not full time. Hmm. I think that's a relationship that definitely could bear fruit. There's lots of uh, strong wrestlers on that WXW uh, undercard that you could bring in for progress and vice versa. Um, I guess we'll have to uh, wait and see how that uh, fills out uh, throughout the year. Um, to wrap up day three, then, we should talk about the the big match, the the final match of, of Super Strong Style, uh, Cassia Soto and, and Zack Sabre Jr. Um, I thought it was a good match, but... I don't know, like much of the things that I was looking at on day three, I kind of felt like the crowd were a bit more muted. Um, I think uh, there's something to be said for a, a slow build that this match kind of had with the dynamic of Ono strikes against Zack Sabre Jr. and his technique of kind of weathering those strikes. It was a, a typically great, a very good Zack Sabre Jr. match, if maybe not of that next level, but I did hear some people talking about it as a match of the year contender. Uh, how do you both uh, land on uh, on this match? I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, mm. I thought mm. it was... I've never seen these two have a bad match. I've seen them have a lot of matches together. Um, I think their styles just mesh quite nicely and it sort of brings the best of Zach, in terms of his kind of more strike-based physical game out of him, if anything. Obviously, these guys are both probably two of the most diverse wrestlers in the world, in terms of being able to wrestle multiple styles. Um, So they're a good match for one another. Um, I thought, as a final, there was a lot of momentum at different points of it, and the crowd were really buying the near falls that occurred and sort of the submission Mm. moves later on in the match. So it did get them in the end, uh, which is a testament to both guys. Um, I didn't think it was as good as last year's final. Last year's final felt a lot bigger and it felt like much more of a moment and it felt a lot more epic. It didn't have that, say, epic feel that previous Super Strong Style finals have had, but at the same time, it was still a really fun match. I don't think these guys could ep- would be capable of having a poor match against one another, to be honest. No, that's it, isn't it? I mean, it, I don't think as a match it kind of felt that huge but i didn't think as a moment kind of you know uh, nxt guy against a, a new japan guy that was you know that was something cool uh I, I mean i wonder i think if i'd have been there live i do question whether i've had a bought a no no win here um just being mm-hmm. that WWE guy and just being the alternate as well um but yeah overall i think i enjoyed it if i didn't you know absolutely love it but at least we got the uh, the good moments at the end there jp like a uh, bowing to each other in the aisle with omino kind of like a like a proud dad um putting over zach sabre jr um yeah. i think that was that was a big moment at least even if the you know the match maybe wasn't um on a match of the year kind of caliber level Absolutely. I also think as well, I mean, this is the third match he'd worked that day. You know, there would have been a, a fair element of, of fatigue that would have been going into into that match as well. Um, but you could really tell the fact he was getting to wrestle Zack Sabre Jr. And wouldn't have been predicting that he would have been wrestling Zack Sabre Jr. Clearly, he got a buzz out of that. Mm. And that was great. That's really, that's a nice thing to see for someone like him who has just wanted to sort of work against the best workers in the world. That's that's almost been like what his career goal has been, and he's pretty much managed to the, to do it. So to see him get a kind of another moment like that when he's in the the kind of the 
perhaps the twilight of the kind of big matches that he'd be available to have mm. at this point. It's good. It's great to see. Definitely. I mean, I kind of felt like as well that we had. It was kind of the Zack Sabre Jr. wearing. Maybe it was the fact that he was wearing all black. It was kind of the taunting somewhat heelish Zack Sabre he felt more of a heel in this yeah. match kind of trying to cause Ono to make mistakes and you know Ono coming back with his big offence so it, I think it, it was like you said uh, a match maybe they didn't plan on having um, but I'm sure uh, Ono was made up that he got to get in there with Zack Sabre Jr and it was not a bad plan B um, all in all I do like so. when Zack wins by pinfall he wins by some sort of roll up <laughs> yeah European clutch was it they called it here yeah yeah, it was kind of, it's always against the runner player, isn't it, as well? It's kind of like in the midst of, of Ono kind of coming back with his big offense. Zack Sabre can just sneak that in there and, and take the win. Um, although, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's, he's more, uh, he was somewhat heelish in this match, but he doesn't go full blown in progress, does he? At least not yet. Um, he'll, he'll get the wins by, by means like that, but it, it's not as much in a heelish way as maybe we see in, uh, in Rev Pro and in New Japan. Um, I mean, th- I thought, all in all, I thought this was, a, a, like I said, a strong main event, if not a, an excellent main event, but I mean, we pointed out a, a few negatives throughout the weekend, but there's certainly some positives uh, coming out as well. I mean, how are you both feeling on, on progress coming out of this tournament? Uh, I, I'm not quite sure it was as strong as maybe last year and the year before, but it, it, I came out of it feeling, at least from a booking point of view, uh, quite positive on the uh, on the progress product and, and what we've got coming up over the next few months. Really? What with that card tomorrow? Uh, not about that. <laughs> That's the problematic. That's kind of it's backlash, isn't it? This this card tomorrow. I mean, we'll we're going to talk about it briefly because we don't want to. Uh, I think we go too deep into it. Most people are going to be hopefully listening to the show on the way out to Victoria Warehouse. Um, but yeah, that card tomorrow aside, uh, at least we've got some some interesting stuff set up for uh, for the big show at Wembley. Yeah, I do feel a lot. Uh, more encouraged by the Wembley show, especially with the Havoc and Osprey stuff going on with Zack Sabre. I think I called Zack Sabre Jr. when we did the preview. Mm. And I said I think he's got the most big match presence in that sort of venue of anyone they could put in that position. So to me, it makes complete sense to put him there. Um, and I look forward to seeing Zack in that sort of venue because I think he's going to be great. Um, yeah. I do think progress is still spreading themselves too thin. I do think there are still far too many shows between now Wembley with that US tour coming up as well. It feels like they haven't expanded um, in terms of staffing and they're sort of handling a lot going up, going into this. They've just done the Australia tour as well. Yeah. Like You do wonder whether they could suffer from a bit of burnout. Wonder whether there should be someone who is outsourced to edit the shows at this point as well, because it seems like John Briley has a lot to do and is fully prepared to take on doing a lot. But Jesus, are they doing a lot at the moment? And I just wonder whether they're going to be able to fill so many shows between now and Wembley. Like, what are they going to fill it, fill them with, if anything? Mm, I think that's a big question, and that was kind of the the low point, wasn't it, of last year's book? And although I'm I'm excited about the matches at Wembley, it's mm. what they it last year when they had a goal in sight, when they knew that they were going to do Travis Banks and Pete Dunne. That's when things kind of went to shit last year. Um, that's when yeah. uh, we just had a lot of you know we had that 
episode kind of like chapters came across like episodes of raw um they didn't feel quite as important um and that's my worry going into going into wembley um as much as i'm excited about what we get eventually can they keep up uh, that tempo but i suppose if you if the andrews and dennis stuff continues and we get more segments with them there's that um but yeah uh, i suppose we'll have well, to, aren't they uh, saying they're gonna fight before wembley that's the story, but I wonder, yeah, what the get out is there. That was part of the segment, wasn't it? That they were. I could see them doing a couple of matches and Wembley being like a blow off potentially. Hmm. Depends on Dennis's uh, injury status, doesn't it? I suppose. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It does feel like a match they should save for Wembley, but yeah, we'll see. So we might as well talk about it. The Manchester show that's coming up. Uh, I don't think we should go to, like I said before, into too much detail here. But yeah, I'm going. It's hmm. it's the big show in Manchester, allegedly, but like I said before, it is very much feeling like progress backlash. I've seen a few people uh, make that comparison online. I, I wonder whether we're going to... I mean, the two supposed big title matches here, we've got Jack Setsmith and, and Travis Banks. And we've also got Tony Storm and Ginny. I just think there's no juice whatsoever behind that that Sex Smith and Travis Banks match. Yep. Uh, we didn't talk about it in a lot of detail, but there was a, a promo uh, over the Super Strong Style weekend from Jack Sex Smith about the match. Didn't like my my fire at all with interest for this match. It just feels like a very B show defense for Travis Banks. Uh, so yeah, I wonder whether maybe they'll go with with Tony Stone and Ginny on top instead. Um, I don't know what you what you make of that one, JP. Oh, I. The issue I have, I suppose, is that how many matches has Ginny had since she's come back from injury? Um, and I think that the worry is going to be you want to obviously have the better match on last. And Ginny at times has needed a lot more work, particularly mm. when it comes to those kind of strikes. That, that's that's always been uh, a bugbear of ours. We, we've seen her at, at shows as well. I would go with... Uh, Sexsmith and Banks I'm just not enthusiastic about it and it's not like we don't like either of them they're they're very nice but this has been a feud that's been kind of left to the side mm. you know without then getting into the, some of the other stuff that's on the card um, I mean yeah it, it, this does not feel like the big Victoria Warehouse show that it should have been no, spreading themselves too thin. I think the placement yeah. of it's odd as well. Just after yeah. Super Strong Style, it's like exactly. Big Show, Big Sharp North, and it just they've added Saber and um, Andrews, which sounds yeah. good on paper. And there was another match they added. What was it? Uh, Star and Walter. Yeah, it looks good on paper, but it feels like they've been added as good matches. So basically, say, well, the rest of the card's shit. So here's a couple of good matches <laughs> with people who aren't really doing much. <laughs> who we've got booked for this date, if anything. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be looking forward to it personally. God, I sound so downbeat about everything, <laughs> don't I? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm overall upbeat on, you know, what progress set up as far as Super Strong Style Weekend goes, but you, you hit the nail on the head there, this Manchester show. They've not really been able to announce much because it came right after Super Strong Style, and what they did announce just didn't feel that important. Jack Sexsmith has been nowhere in progress. I've said it before in this show. If he did this match a year ago, I think there'd be some juice behind it. But there's nothing about Jack Sexsmith's booking over the last year that would make you even think for half a second that he's winning the progress title here. Tony Storm and Ginny. Ginny, 
if you look at she's one again maybe not quite as bad as sex with but if you look at her results and progress over the last year the amount of number one contenders matches that she's been in and has lost uh kind of speaks volumes maybe to the, the lack of depth in the in the progress women's division so just not hugely interested in either of those two matches and as you said there right. joe the, the the couple of work rate matches that they've added in there have made me you know more interested in going down there the six man with british strong style against havoc haskins and morgan webster <sighs> that was one of those matches where i'm kind of when they announced that one i was looking at the facebook comments and i was looking on twitter and i was just kind of going, ah, i just uh, i don't see that as a big match but the progress fan base, a lot of the people were in the comments I saw. It was, it was a lot of, oh my god, what a dream match! The, these two big uh, three-man groups going against each other. Uh, I don't feel that at all for this one, and I'm, I'm guessing from that reaction, oh. you're not feeling it either. Why no. would anyone feel that? Yeah. Like, maybe go, oh, cool, if it was on a ballroom show or in a regular show, but on a big show, like, what rivalry is there between them? Like, yeah. really, the, the big three-man group of. Uh, Havoc, Haskins, and Flash Morgan Webster. Like, it's what, what as a group. Like, come on, it's pretty limp. Let's be <laughs> honest, and it's not exactly you know lit the world on fire or anything. It's just ah. Uh. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I can't get confused about that one in any way whatsoever. No. No. Well, I mean, you're excited, Joe. Uh, one thing we didn't get to talk about in a lot of detail there, Walter has vacated the Atlas belt because he's going after Travis Banks. That's a discussion point. Uh-huh. But in vacation... Right, oh, go on. Right, so Sex Smith Banks, they announced that match at the last Manchester show, right? Mm. So they make these really forward announcements, yeah? But at the moment, they've just had a Walter Banks feud. They're in the middle of a Walter Banks feud. Would it not have made more sense for after they did this stupid countout finish to then go, right, he gets an immediate rematch on another big show, mm. another big rematch, like a big time match we want to see, Walter Banks 2 in Manchester. Like I don't even know if they had Walter Banks booked a Super Strong Zone in their mind. They booked bank sexsmith in manchester it just feels a bit all over the place if anything mm. and they've kind of booked themselves into a hole by booking that bank sexsmith match but they could have booked walter banks and it would have made it made make a little bit more sense you could argue mm. if it was give up the atlas title and you get the title match at victoria warehouse yeah okay whereas instead it's you'll get a title match at some point and it just makes the atlas belt look a bit shit as well he does yeah, it. it does. that's ultimately what what you get out of it yeah. is that that becomes weakened and then you go from walter to <laughs> yeah <laughs> the four men in this one rob lynch rampage brown joseph connors doug williams i mean jp it doesn't say a lot for the atlas division uh, i like rampage brown I think there's a role for Doug Williams, but I mean, Joseph Connors was on 205 Live last week, so yeah, good luck with the uh, with yeah. gaining the weight there. And and Rob Lynch, I mean, I couldn't be less interested in. Just it doesn't say much for what's left of yeah. the Atlas Division. Exactly, it makes you just wonder at that point why have it? Mm. Well, why I mean, at the same time? Why in Riddle in there? Mm. Immediately, it looks more interesting. He established that belt. Yeah, you know. Yeah, bring him in. Yeah, mm. I'd be absolutely would have been absolutely game for that. It, it's just that ultimately it hurts i think it was you saying joe earlier on that you were just interested in joseph connor's diet yeah between, yeah. between having that that 205 what did he what kind of 190 bit? i think he was announced it was 190 he announced that so i'm assuming he went on a, 
you what was it you said? Well, a proper bit of Raging Bull style binge, like Rob De Niro, yeah. so he could film that last scene. Just went on a mad one, didn't he? I mean, Joseph <laughs> Connors has had kind of a week of just going on a mad one, if anything, just enjoying proper himself. Method acting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get to that 205 limit. Yeah, so that's I mean that's the probably the only uh, I'm interested in how they get over that uh, when big it comes to the show. Brothers, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but even in the first place, I mean, he's not a big lad, is he? I mean, just look, just no. looking at him, you don't go, yeah, he's over two oh five. Yeah, I don't get it, but yeah, uh, you guys are, aren't making it up north, and I don't blame you. Uh, this one's uh, less than an hour from my front door, so I, I can't. There's no justification in missing it, but maybe uh, maybe I'll come on this show next time, and I'll be uh, I'll be much more positive about the show uh, coming out at least the, the couple of uh, work rate matches they've got in there might be enough um, to make it yeah. know, at least somewhat memorable being there live in the building well, didn't they announce I mean we were we were in Manchester um, taught, and you know I think uh, when we were with you we sort of expressed interest in possibly what the warehouse show would be hmm. and then we were on the card when Jack Sexsmith came out and said about the title shot and it was like oh, didn't get a reaction really did, yeah no. he's not as over up north I can tell you that for a fact uh, yeah. I don't know whether they think I don't know whether there's a progressive reason that the, the Jack Sexsmith is, is in the match um, he's a London just, lad yeah I, I don't know I, I just yeah, don't get cool. it mm, yeah it just doesn't yeah. translate and yeah, I don't think it'd day. be big down south but it certainly doesn't feel big up north yeah all right. Well, fair enough. Let's uh, let's wrap things up. Before we do go, we've got one last segment um, that we're going to get into, a special segment. So let's uh, get over to that right now. Hello, I'm Andy, and this is Joel's Beer Corner, brought to you by Graps and Claps, the weekly blog which can now be found on theindycorner.com. Enjoy your pint, Joe. Right, Joe, uh, over to you then. A great uh, intro there from our, a good friend of the show, Andy Ogden. Uh, Joe, what's uh, what's your beer of the, the week or beer of the show uh, for this episode of British Wrestling Spotlight? Oh, I think uh, Progress did a really good job of bringing in some cracking beer trucks. Mm. Uh, last Alexandra Palace show was really struggling on the uh, beer front, let's say. But this time there were an abundance of options, and I tried out a variety of different beers on night one let's say and on night two i had my one beer because i was driving as well and the beer that i was most taken aback by on night one and night two had to be the milk stout that was on offer oh, it was lovely smooth complexion lovely ed uh went down an absolute storm i think you were enjoying this i think yeah uh, too much andy we just heard was enjoying the milk stout um so we get through quite a few few on the evening and jeff <laughs> yeah uh, that's a bit too much yeah yeah maybe had to be an absolute winner from the weekend um i recommend uh, picking up a milk stout if ever you see one in your neighborhood and if ever you see one at a wrestling show perfect accompaniment to some quality wrestling <laughs> a great recommendation there from you joe and yet we'll uh, we'll have this segment as a, a reoccurring segment going forward hopefully i'll uh, find some better beer tomorrow at uh, victoria warehouse that isn't the, uh, the 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 rubbish that they they usually serve at the progress manchester shows i'm a bit sick of, sick of drinking the uh, the poorly watered down carlsberg from the manchester ritz so yeah maybe we'll get something uh, comparable at victoria warehouse not a Tuborg. Oh, yeah, it's just Carlsberg under another name, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, that's pretty much us for uh, another episode, guys. Do you want to let the uh, the people know where they can find you on Twitter? Uh, yeah, Lemsit4Ps. JPGP. 
three e's you can find me on twitter at benson richard e and that's us for a, another episode like i said i'll be at victoria warehouse tomorrow keep an eye out for the on the indycorner.com um we've got a few good articles up there at the moment andy ogden who you just heard um has brought his graps and claps blog over to the indy corner i couldn't give a higher recommendation for a blog about a day at the wrestling there's nothing better um think of it as like the football away day type blogs that, that are out there andy does an incredible job and we're all made up to have him on on the indycorner.com so check that out keep an eye on the website for future episodes from us we'll be back in a few weeks that's us for now goodbye bye see you soon So I've just put, I've just added this. Hello, I'm Andy, and this is Joe's Beer Corner, brought to you by, by my weekly blog, which you can now read the Indie Corner. Craps and craps and claps. Enjoy your part, Joe. How about that? <laughs> you do know that I'm throwing this at the end now. <laughs> I made a note. Eight minutes, Joe's Northerner impression. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my best Emmerdale. <laughs> 